All right, everybody, welcome to the Yuletide of 2017. I was looking at the calendar and counting back the days, and I found out this is our sixth Yuletide since the beginning. So we've done a few, and most of them have been different. Some things are the same, some things are different every year, and some things will be different this year. But uh, I'm here with two powerful and attractive men. First but not last, my co-host Tom. How are you doing, Tom? <laughs> Hello, my friend. I'm doing well, thank you. Happy Yule. Same to you, man. And we have another guy, last but not first, JFNG. How are you doing, John? Uh, how's it going, Hoser? JFNG! <laughs> yes. I think we should call you JFNOG. Uh, that, that, that domain's already been taken, so uh, I got to stick to what I got. <laughs> no, welcome, John. It's good to have you on the show. Hi. John, John has, a, John has a, an issue with time here because he has to go watch the miserable New York Giants finish their limp through the rest of their season um, along with the Washington Redskins. But uh, who am I kidding? But uh, we, we wanted to have John on early so we could ask him some, some very pertinent big country related questions that he is involved with. So it's fine. What should we start with? Yeah, we kind of have to jump into it. Uh, we don't have John very long. So when he, when he leaves, we can uh, lean back and take it easy. But for now we're leaning forward, staring John in the eye and saying, in the spirit of Christmas, uh, one huge thing that's been going on the past couple of months is the, how do we call it, BBCGE, Big Big Country yes. Giveaway Extraganza. How did that, that come correct. about? That's been incredible. You've been giving away all your shit. BBC FNGE. <laughs> right? LMNOP. Uh, yeah, what, what the heck is going on? Ex explain to us what you've been doing and for those who haven't been paying attention and, and why you've been doing it. Because it really is amazing. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I tell you what. If you, again, the one thing is uh, one thing it has done is kind of brought a lot of attention to myself. And if you, anybody kind of knows me, I kind of loathe attention. And um, and and when it comes, I begin a lot of compliments. And there's one thing that I'm not comfortable with is two things: giving compliments and even more so taking compliments. So uh, kind of puts me in a bit of an uneasy position. But uh, that you is know, so uh, noble of you. Now, God, please shut up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're well, wearing a Santa costume, aren't you? Well, I'm just keep on stepping. The long and the short of it is, is obviously through the BigCountryInfo.com website over the years, uh, basically go out there searching for different variations of the releases. And sometimes you go on these different sites and you think, oh, okay, this is this is something different. And you you pay for the postage and you bring it in and you realize, no, no, I already already have this. This is a this wasn't as advertised, or the person didn't know what it is, what it was. So you accumulate a lot of uh, a lot of duplicates. And and secondly, more so with the more recent uh, releases, the intention was is, was that okay? I obviously, keep one for my collection and. Um, have one you know, to, to to give to somebody who may or may not have uh, heard the band before. Unfortunately, uh, I haven't really gotten to the second part and uh, had a look at my collection. And I think I veered, I was veering in from being a collector to being a hoarder. And so, <laughs> like, you, you know what? Though? Let's uh, let's get you know that's it's not doing me any good here. And I'm not one of these. You know, I mean, again, fair play to anybody who 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 needs you know, who needs to sell things, and they, they have their their reasons. But I, I'm in a decent position where I don't really need to sell it uh, to, to sell these things. But they're not doing me any good. So you know what? Though? Let's just just let's just you know give these away, and it you know it'll make 
in small some small way make make someone's day and uh again maybe go to what i intended that somebody may hear something that they may not have heard before uh there's a, obviously if you go through the list of what was what's what's been given away some of the stuff is more common some of the stuff has been you know, kind of on the rare side but for whatever reason i've managed to keep you know to, to get duplicates so you know what though uh, I'll use one of your phrases. Uh, have at it, and uh, let uh, you know, let some let someone else enjoy it. Uh, that's incredible. So, so just to be clear, then you 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 are still of good health. A, well, a reasonable good health, <laughs> a reasonable good health of of somebody uh, uh, who is uh, uh, closer to a hundred than he is to to zero. <laughs> no, that's incredible. I, I I am. I mean, just just from watching it, I'm stunned. Not only by what you have. And of course, your generosity. I'm sorry, I have to compliment you again. But um, but just how long this has gone on, it's been amazing. I mean, it's just been like uh, it's been incredible just to see all this stuff. A lot of some of this stuff. I mean, I didn't even know existed. You did didn't didn't know it existed. You tell me you you haven't memorized every single page uh, on my website. I'm I'm in, I'm 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 embarrassed. I I I job John. Oh okay. I mean, you know, I've yeah. Uh, Svein knew. Svein knew everything. Okay. But I did not. So so you so so you have I mean everything you gave away you have duplicates of basically yeah okay yeah and yeah I just you know it, it's uh, yeah yeah because again like you just brought up a lot of people have kind of asked me it's like oh is everything okay it's no no everything everything's fine uh, <laughs> <laughs> when when someone starts getting rid of their collections it's either a health problem or there's a new girlfriend. <laughs> right. No, I did, did, no, uh, <laughs> none of the above. Let's uh, let's uh, jump that one, and uh, let me ask you this: Is there any big country piece of merchandise or memorabilia or anything that you actually don't have that you're looking for, and what oh. would that be? Oh, I'm not gonna. Oh, I'm not gonna. Uh, I, there is, but I'm not gonna say it, it, it publicly because then somebody else will, will snap it up when when there's someone when it's uh, out there. <laughs> or maybe someone wants to pay back and say, you know, John did this awesome thing for us. Maybe we can keep a lookout for him. That's oh, true. Saint John. This is, this is also true. Uh, ooh, good, good question. I, to be honest, with you, I have a list somewhere, uh, and I have the. <laughs> I do have a list, a short list. And, and, wow. and to be honest with you, that's uh, also how I managed to get some of the duplicates. Where uh, I, I had to start keeping a list because a lot of times I, I didn't keep good records of what exactly I had. So I thought it was something was something I didn't have, and turns out I already had it. But uh, yeah, I have to I have to I have to dig out that list somewhere because it's 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 been a while since I actually looked at it. So you're saying you need to check you need to check that list twice. Yeah, you need to check it, check the list, check it twice. That was my Yule reference. Yes, I know, and I'll take so I guess I'll I'll take something from someone who's naughty or nice. <laughs> All right, uh, boom boom. Yeah, that's fantastic. That was John. He had to leave, but we have another clip uh, that we will use for the appropriate section in the next segment, which is releases of 2017. Uh, we got a question from someone that, will you do it again this year? Because last year was quite useful, and uh, we did plan to do it. So we're going to run through all the big country-related releases of the year. And as usual, and to my surprise when I try and summarize this, there's, a, there's actually quite a few. So we'll see where this takes us, and we'll see if there are less errors in these releases than there were last year, when <laughs> we had quite a few very interesting and uh, and laughable ones that certainly contributed to the Christmas cheer. So um, 
So we'll see. And uh, I look forward to asking you how many of these you have as we go through them. <laughs> I can answer right now. 0. 0.0. <laughs> I, I actually suspect you have a couple of them. So uh, I we'll might. See. I might. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we'll go through the year chronologically. And uh, the first one came in January. And we don't really have a specific release date for it because this was just made available directly from Simon Huff's page himself. He said, if you want my album by the projects called Cried Out, order it from me. And he made that available in mid-January 2017. So that's almost a year old at this point, And it feels like it's older than it is. But uh, that came out this year. And uh, I guess this is where we play the 0.0. I don't think you have that one. <laughs> no, I do not. No. I got the files to you. And uh, I think we have mentioned somewhere along the line that we tried to get Simon on the show we tried to have an interview with him. He could not get Skype to work on his mobile phone where he was sitting in the corner of a mall. So that, that, <laughs> we, we, we had a, an attempt. I'm not sure I can call it a good attempt, but there were really good intentions, but that didn't happen. So yeah. for people who keep asking, you should have Simon on. Yeah, we, we tried. It was not down to us at this point that he hasn't been on. But uh, in preparation for that, I know we both listened to the album. Uh, I must admit I have not listened a lot to it uh, the last half year, but I listened to it quite a bit early in the year. Yeah, I think uh, the interesting thing is how many of these songs were recycled from uh, the previous projects you were doing. And that this was something that you actually pointed out to me as you're the expert of Simon Huff's recording career. <laughs> That's right. Yes, I noticed that too. Yeah, I, I can't remember what the song titles were because it's been a while since I've listened, but... Yeah, there were a number of songs where you could tell he uh, he rewrote lyrics and kept the same music. Or there was one in particular that I think had been originally used as a as a Christian gospel type of song, and he kept the music and he rewrote lyrics to make it more of a traditional type of uh, relationship song. I think, if I'm yeah. remembering correctly. So yeah, I mean it, it was good stuff. It was well produced, and there it was. He's a really great singer. Um, the music to me, it doesn't really appeal to my taste so much because it's more like, um, even though there's some good songs on there, it's it's a little bit more, I guess, traditional rock type based, and yeah. the lyrics don't really grab me, you know. But uh, but it was it was cool to hear. It was cool to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think we always listen in solo works. Is this something that could work in big country? And I I think it's fair to say, cried out is not big country music in the slightest no however it doesn't need to be it's a solo project
think, you know, I, I liked it uh, quite a bit. I think some songs stand out a bit more than others, and some perhaps are a bit more anonymous, I would say, yeah. uh, to me, rather than bad. It, it's it's not bad stuff. Some stuff is more ordinary, but there are two or three songs I really uh, would go to, I noticed, more than others. So you'll find out which songs that is when we do the Simon Huff's Project Deep Dive. <laughs> In the future, in the distant future. In the distant alternate universe future. Yes. I'm sure we exist there and go into all sorts of crazy stuff with mad scientist hair and dissect everything. Yeah. I'm actually prepared in that universe <laughs> and knowledgeable. God, bizarro Tom. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, let's quickly skip ahead a couple of months to uh, to March, March twentieth. That's when we got the full album, and not just the, the parts of the album from Dog, or as it's called, Dogs or Gods, histories. And that one is one I suspect you might have. I do have that one. Yeah, see, dirty old geezers. <laughs> that's Something what like that, that's what they were, were originally called, I believe. I I just read that recently. <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> oh see but yeah i do i do have that and it's um yeah it, it was it was surprisingly good i, I really enjoyed that album I, I must say i mean it's not one that i that i will go back to a lot but uh it, it was it was interesting it had a lot of pink floyd type of overtones especially with the, the uh the other guy who's singing whose name is tom i don't remember his last name i should but uh tom is clearly enough but um <laughs> Yeah, he's got a very David Gilmore type of guitar style, and he's got that deep, low, guttural type of voice, and you know, it, it was interesting. And, and Tony has some decent songs on there too. So yeah. You know, I was shocked by how quickly, and I understand because Tony's got so many other projects going on of his own, but that album just was like not promoted in any way. It just was like released and then almost immediately forgotten about by all involved. Yeah. So it was kind of strange. There were a couple of months with some uh, web presence by the people involved. Yeah. And uh, I remember, and we should keep this in mind, Tony has stepped up his activities online and interaction with, uh, with people a lot over the years. Yeah. Uh, and his return to really opening himself to questions happened around the dog release. And he would say, I'm doing a chat session, only questions about dog, please. And uh, as 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 we all knew would happen, people would come and the odd big country question would pop up and he would respond to it. He didn't say, no, sorry, only dog. That was more like the, the pre-warning that don't expect me to, you know, I'm talking about this now. Right. But, uh, but that was really a dipping of the the toe back into the pond and sort of opening up the, the floodgates that 
that really started the weekend um, we had him on with uh, first going to Ireland and meeting people there, then coming on the podcast and talking to us for quite a while, which which is how long we usually keep people. <laughs> and then numerous Facebook chats. And I, I know he has a chat room of his own. And uh, so Dog was really the start of that. And I agree, this is a, this is a great album. I, I listened to this quite a bit. And uh, Tom Norden, who um, ah, is yeah. the main songwriter, is known from um, from other bands that I have. I have the complete Edgar Broughton band uh, anthology on, on my shelf. <laughs> wow. And, I, and I, I didn't connect the dots right away. But uh, I said, Tom Norden, where have I heard this name? And I'm actually friends with him on Facebook, and he never mentions Edgar Broughton band there, ever. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, wow. Should be, he should be, that's a pretty huge band. Uh, at least in Britain back uh, in the day, it was one of the bands that made the festival rounds. So, yeah, him and Tony and Colin on drums, I forget his last name. So <laughs> there's always a last name to ponder. But Dog was a, a, a good little band, but kind of like... Mike Peters had the alarm activities hanging over his head when he was in big country. Tony had all his solo activities hanging over really the future of this band. Right. So not surprised that, you know, it was what it was. That's how long it could have lasted. And now it's my time. That's right. Yeah. I mean, Tony has been, as you say, incredibly active this past year. He's got, mm. a, got a new book that's about to come out. Um, and he's got a new album that's about to come out. And, uh, yeah, he's he's starting to tour. He's starting to tour. He's as we record this, he's done his first show with Mark Brzezicki and our good friend Josh Phillips on keyboards. And um, who, who's the bass player again? His son. His son. Yes, of course. How could I forget that? Um, gosh, I'm, I'm I feel terrible. I can't remember his son's name. <laughs> Jake Butler. <laughs> That's right. Yes, and I, I've seen some clips. That's <laughs> terrible. Getting old, but I, I've seen some clips. Um, but it does beat the alternative, yes, um, of the show. And it was a very interesting show. It didn't sound like there were a lot of people there, but the um, Antonian, by his own admission, talked about how nervous he was. And, and in some cases, you could see that. But they really picked it up, I think, toward the end. And uh, it was interesting to see Tony and, and his son switch uh, instruments, too. Like, sometimes Tony would be playing the bass, sometimes guitar. And uh, probably the highlight for big country fans would have been a a very interesting reggae version of Pink Marshmallow Moon, which was uh, yeah. surprisingly wor- kind of worked better than I thought it would. Surprising is really the, the word uh, in every sense. Uh, <laughs> the only big country song he played would be that one. Yeah. I, I believe, uh, you know, uh, don't get me wrong. I, I love that song. Really do. I'm really excited to see it. Um, so number one, the choice itself you know, if you're going to pick one song, would I have guessed that one? No, not in a million years. And then the arrangement, the, the reggae. <laughs> I <think that's, laughs> no. uh, I, yeah, I don't know what to say. It's, it was cool. But uh, I don't know if I sort of want that to be the form of the song now. But um, Right, no, no. You know, uh, but I'm really happy about it. I'm, I'm stoked about the unorthodox choices always uh, interest me. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder if, uh, I mean, on, on the one hand, I... I, I have nothing but respect for him for going out and just playing his own stuff. But on the other, I have to think that as a fan going to see him, as much as you'd be willing to listen to his, his solo stuff, his new stuff that you haven't heard yet, I, I wonder if there was some disappointment with some not hearing anything by Big Country except for that song, which was drastically changed and altered. Mm-hmm. 
So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what he does moving forward. If he just if he can continues in that vein, or if he decides to throw some throw some uh, well received bones to some of the fans that are coming out. Yeah, might bring more people. Who knows? But uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that's um, that's interesting, and he intends to go all over the place. So who knows? He might uh, come to either of our neck of the woods. Yeah, he's he ain't coming here. <laughs> if it's a small enough operation, it could work. I mean, Derek makes the rounds there all the time. Oh, that's true. That's true. We'll see. Never say never. Nah, exactly. Third release of the year. Uh, not too long after Dog, just uh, 11 days. March 31st, we get the wonderful collection Wonderland, the Essential Big Country. Uh, or as it's uh, called for short, Big Country, the Essential Collection. It's a three-CD collection, and uh, we were wondering at the time, what would be on this, and uh, what mixes are they using, and would they bring out the Miller mix? That was, of course, wildly optimistic, but hmm. uh, we um, took a look at it, and it's it's basically your standard collection from the Universal days. There's nothing past Universal, so it's the five first albums. Uh, there are B-sides. Uh, there are outtakes. Uh, these are, of course, available here and there. There's nothing really here that you can't find anywhere else. This this brings me into sort of where are the mistakes of the year. There's quite a few on this that not necessarily outright typos or, or errors, but I think a mixture of that and lost opportunities. Like all the singles. Um, I think it's a bit lazy when people use album versions uh, instead of the singles, when you when you feature something that clearly has the the hits, I, I think that's a little lazy. Um, we don't have the original versions of Harvest Home. We have the the first. But of course, it starts with Harvest Home, so that gives really the strong impression that we're going back to the very first uh, twelve inch and and moving onward. And that would have been something, but it, it isn't. Yeah, I mean the turbot version of Look Away. Uh, they used the Restless Native, the usual B-side quick fade-out version instead of the full version. That's one where actually the full version would be uh, preferable. I'm Only Waiting is missing the first few seconds of the intro, which is <laughs> incredible. <laughs> Forgot about that. The Seer stops before the last note fades. Just a lazy thing. And there was always an awkward overlap with that and the teacher for yes. some. But, but not always, because my first tape... These songs were clearly separated, and other releases, they were clearly separated. Yeah, it was only the remastered version that, that did that first. It was the remastered version from, like, 96 or whatever, whenever it came out that did that was yeah. the first to do that. And I, I wonder if that has something to do with the fact that it stops before, um, you know, on this compilation. Because, yeah, because on the remaster, they do fade into each other, which is kind of interesting at first, but then it becomes problematic anytime you just want to hear one song so yeah yeah i i wouldn't be surprised if if uh that has something to do with it it tells us exactly which sources they used for this thing they had uh, the remastered uh, versions those were the tapes those were the sources they did not go hunting for any anything else yep. they did not go hunting for the single edits they didn't just use the ones we had there so that makes it less interesting right away uh, but on a positive note the mastering, we discussed this quite a bit back then. The mastering seems to be a bit different from uh, from before. And I think this is something that uh, is done to create a good tonal consistency from song to song. Uh, not sure it's better, but it uh, it kind of works. It plays more as a 
collection of something that fits together. So mm. using Harvest Home as an example, it seems to have a fuller base mm. that fits more with what came later. There's just, if you want to go and compare it with something, that's something I can point you to. Nice. But no, there's there, there's no secret nugget of anything. No Miller mixes, no, um, no rare single edits. I, I don't know if we expect too much from these things. It's basically your average uh, three CD uh, collection, but uh, it's <laughs> it came out this year. Yeah. And apart from the couple songs that they chop off beginnings or ends, the rest is really what it says on the cover. So it's not um, it's not as bad as some of the things we went through last year. And uh, let's go to a more much more interesting release, which is uh, on June seventeenth, we got Skids live in London. Mm. That's a two-CD set. It is the current lineup. This was an album that was recorded over the weekend and then released on the Monday. So if using the old uh, John Lennon thing, you should write a song on Monday, rehearse it on Tuesday, record it on Wednesday, mix it on Thursday, uh, release it on Friday, and it's in the shops on Saturday kind of mentality. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's almost how they did it with uh, the Lime in London set. Do you have that one? No, I don't. I, I I was looking at it the other day and think and thinking I gotta get this because I I've heard it's good. I just have I've just kind of been waiting for the I don't know why, but I've just kind of been waiting for the Skids actual album to come out, and then I'll probably go back and fill in my collection. Yeah, it actually has uh, the World on Fire song. Yeah, but all but all the others are the classics, and it's quite a few of them. It's two CDs, so it's a long show. Uh, what I can say is. Uh, Jabo is in fine form. There's a lot of talk between the songs. Uh, it's a very joyful uh, version of the band. They are very happy. They're bursting with energy. And there is a live video on YouTube. You can go and search for it. Skids, London, working for the Yankee Dollar. Excellent stuff. You see them dancing about. And uh, looking in particular at people like Jamie. I think I see him jumping and smiling more in that clip than I've ever seen him in a big country thing. So wow. I don't wow. know if I just need to go and look at more, but... Uh, the energy is incredible, and the audience is incredible with energy. Of course, that goes back to the band. Uh, so um, it's uh, it's an awesome recording. Uh, as far as energy and power, I think it's uh, really won me over a bit. That's great. I, I have to definitely have to go back and check that out.
And yeah, I, I noticed that too with the with the clips that I've seen over the last year or so of the band, it, it, and it really amazes me. And it probably comes from the fact that being here in America, I wasn't wasn't even aware of the skids at all until well after I was into big country, and so I don't have a frame of reference as to how big they were or. And you know, even in the UK, they weren't huge, but there's certainly a, still a group of a large group of uh, fans who just go mental over them, which is awesome. And there is something yeah. about that music, and and Jabo is still a really formidable frontman. He's he's I, I love watching him. He's uh, he's just fun to watch. He's, he takes you in. Yeah, captivating. Yeah, absolutely. He he is. Um... Um, he is the bono of of skits. He 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 has that larger than life front man kind of uh, yes. thing going. The X factor. The one thing that perhaps Big Country was missing was that, and uh, he had that. Stewart had that with Jabo with skits. I would say he's he's better at that now than he was back then. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, and we we should say too that we we tried to get Richard Jobson on the show as well. In fact, I reached out to him at some point during the year and um he said he would come on and i was just trying to get some like some something concrete in place like a you know something obvious like a schedule and a time and a day (laughs) and i said like when would you like to do it and he just said next week (laughs) and i just said okay is there is there a time is there you know and it just it just didn't quite work out and I don't know. I'm I'm not the kind of guy, and I'm sure you're the same. I I just I'm not going to just constantly beg people to give me a time and set something up. I just no. I don't know. I I just felt like I was getting in a position where I was going to be constantly bothering him and saying, "What time? And is this going to work? And please?" And I just I I don't know. I just didn't feel like continuing it. But who knows? But he he did say he would do it, <laughs> but it just yeah. didn't it just didn't work out. No, yeah, I think uh, we also need to hit them at the right time. And uh, obviously, we had bad luck with timing there. Uh, but the intention is uh, positive. Yeah. And with that, anything can happen. Yeah. The next one is not really a, a release per se, but uh, it's Tony's first video for Here Comes the First One. He put that out on mm. August 18th. Um, he has since dropped snippets on his uh, pledge page that you can go and listen to other songs uh, from his album. Uh, the album didn't come in 2017. We don't really have a concrete date for it, do we? No, we don't. I, if there is one, I'm not familiar with it. I, the pledge page has not honed in on a, on a release date, a target release date. So, But he, he's been releasing little little bits and pieces of things here and there, as you say as well as a really good um, acoustic version of One in a Million that he did f- just for the people who pledged. Yeah, yeah. Which was excellent. But yeah, I, I don't know when the album is coming out. But Here Comes the First One was, was I think, very well received by people, um, especially the music, because it was very heavy, kind of old-school, big-country sounding. And yeah. and I really, personally, I, and he did mention, even on our show, that, that that song came from something he had worked on with Stewart in the past. And I don't, I wonder if it is "You Lose Your Dreams" that he's referring to because I, I definitely hear some "You Lose Your Dreams" in that song, um, in places. But mm. uh, it'd be interesting to to delve into that more down the road. But uh, yeah, if if that's an indication of what the album is going to sound like, I think um, I think it could be it could it's very promising. Yeah, extremely promising. Uh, he didn't say if it actually comes from a song that was finished, but uh, he did say the piece of music came from the Wide Long Face writing sessions. Oh, okay. So, okay. 
it could come from all over the place, really. But in addition to that, but there is a piece of music in that song that specifically comes from those sessions. Interesting. The, and uh, yeah, I, uh, the big country uh, sort of throwback is it, it's all over that song, really. <laughs> it's uh, it's anything you could dare hope for, or even wouldn't dare hope for from from Tony. So yeah, I'm I'm super excited. I I'm one of those that really uh, got a huge kick out of that song, and it was clearly released to uh, promote his pledge campaign. So uh, that explains why you know there's a huge gap between the the song and the video, and then the album, which will come later. Uh, we saw the same thing with Dog, where they released a couple of videos in the May of last year. And then the album came seven or eight months later. <laughs> yeah, a, a pretty huge gap. But in this case, we, we understand why this video and the song was put out. And I think it did the job. It really created a lot of attention for his pledge campaign. So good, um, good stuff. I understand that's been going well, by the way. So uh, good for Tony. Good. That takes us all the way up to December 1st. And we have two releases coming out on that date. Uh, we'll talk about them in turn. Uh, starting with the We're Not in Kansas, the live bootleg box set, 1993-1998. And before John had to dart off, we, we did grab some comments from him. So we'll just play that now and uh, then complete it between the two of us. So I know we don't have you for a lot of time here. So why don't we jump into to this other topic that's oh, no. around big country dumb. And I, I, th- I think you, you've severely overstate the Oh no portion of this, but that wow. is the, that is the Kansas box set, which is yes. full of, of bootleg recordings, basically um, audience recordings. Most of them, if not all of them from pretty much the same general time period. I mean, we're talking about the wide long face era, Buffalo Skinners and uh, maybe shortly after that. Right. Yes. The full title of this box set is We're Not in Kansas, the live bootlegs at 1993-1998. So that pretty much explains everything you need to know. There you go. There you go. And and I don't own this. You guys both do. Um, But, John, you had something to do with this uh, creation. So tell us about what you had to do with this uh, this project. Well, earlier in the year, I received a couple of emails out of the blue, uh, one from cherry red records and one from kind of associated with with the band who to be honest with you I've, I've never met never really never spoken to both uh p- pitching this this potential project and for a lot of the reasons for a lot of the negative comments that have come across i was i was a little skeptical and i kind of initially said no nah, i really don't want to be in, be involved with this it's because you know this this i don't know how it's going to be received uh some time went by so i spoke to uh a couple a couple other people and this no 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 it's it's you know what it might be a worthwhile project just to, just to see uh what uh you know, you know what can come out of it uh basically the long or the short of it is is if those out there who don't know uh my website at one point used to be uh kind of a centralized location for a lot of the big country bootleg recordings and i guess somewhere along along the road uh you know that that became some common knowledge uh within the within the the band and people associated with the band and so they kind of came to me as kind of getting my input to what i thought uh, would be appropriate inclusion uh, within certain parameters, obviously there were certain legal parameters that need, needed to be met, and uh, they were looking for specifically a certain certain era of the band. And what uh, I thought uh, basically 
represented the band and what uh, they were doing uh, at at that time. And I came up with uh, they they had a list of of shows, and obviously I was a little more a little more knowledgeable to what you know what these shows included and what they meant to the fan base. And I kind of put my two cents into uh, what I thought would should be included and why. Um, and for the most part, they kind of they kind of ran with uh, from a from a historical standpoint what should have been included. And once they decided what the final track listing was going to be, and then they asked me to write a little uh, a little blurb about uh, about this. And if those of you do have the uh, hard copy, you can uh, you know you can read what I what I wrote for that. Nice. So and that's all I got to say about it. So it was their idea. It was their idea to 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 do that time period first, or or was that the time period that they wanted to focus on, or was that something that came as a result that of the was, shows you suggested? No, well, it, it was mainly the the uh, they wanted to stick to that to that time period. There was some I, again, obviously for reasons I hope you can understand. I can't really gotta go into uh, intimate details, but there are there were some uh, legal issues for right. uh, you know on, on you know uh, in, involved, and basically, and this is one thing I'll uh, hope I'm not putting you on the spot, Tom. Without the one show from that era that I desperately wanted included, uh, you had a bit of a hand in, but by your own admission, you didn't. And obviously, you, you being in the position where you would have the best copy of it didn't feel that the the quality was uh was up to snuff and that was the uh the 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 national sutler show from 1999 yeah i would have loved to have included that but i, I think by by uh, mutual agreement that that yeah you know, as much as there has been complaints about uh the quality of of what's on, on the on the uh on the cds that that even you weren't comfortable with with that being included yeah, I mean, I, I would have loved to have included it, but when I thought about the audio quality, I mean, it, it's I think it's good audio quality for a bootleg video that you can watch on YouTube. But when I thought about just listening to that, I don't know how that would translate because I know that it was a little distorted. Um, the the audio of that show is a little bit distorted because it was so loud, and I didn't. I, I what I should have done in hindsight was crank down the levels a bit of my mic on the camera, and I didn't think to do that. Um, so there's a little bit of distortion in that audio, and, and I just thought all that stuff would, would really come through more if you're just listening to a CD of it, because there's no way to get rid of that. So, no, no. yeah, I mean, I, I didn't say no, but I just I just remember telling you no, that, you know, I, I don't know about that, but, you know, if they want to do it, let me know. But yeah, but I would have wanted to be paid handsomely. Uh, everything you do in life is handsomely. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about he that. He aspires. <laughs> right. <laughs> But no, I, I know there's, I know there's been a lot, a lot of talk about about the quality of it, and, and be honest with you, I, I kind of totally understand it. I mean, I, you know, um, I, I think if you know what you're getting into when you listen to it, you'd be okay with what's there. I, I do think there is a, a problem with someone who may not be familiar with what's in the box. We'd be we'd be utterly disappointed, and I get that. Right. Right. Yeah, and uh, and John, you you talked to us before we started, so maybe you can just say a couple of lines about why didn't you use uh, soundboards for this? Yeah, again, that was like part of again some going going into some of the the, the legal issues that there were certain issues that uh, obviously anything that had been on the radio or been on television, the the rights to those belong to the uh, you know the, the whatever station. Uh, it belonged to sound soundboard recordings belong uh, the the 
the intellectual property belongs to the venues. So, and I don't know whether or not uh, Cherry, Cherry Red wanted to go down that road. To be honest with you, that that was that was part of it that I really wasn't involved uh, with. Uh, again, I mean, uh, as much as, as much legal expertise as as, uh, as I may have, I wasn't consulted on that matter. Gotcha. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes right. total sense. Well, I think you know, as you say, I think it's a it's people. Most people that I've seen comment on it. Love it. And if you don't have these bootlegs, I mean, I've had these bootlegs for years, so I haven't made the jump, the plunge to buy it yet, but I, I might. But um, they're they're great shows. I mean, even if even though they're audience recordings, they're great shows, a lot of great moments from that era. And if people have not heard these before, I think they're going to, you know, I think they're going to love them. Even, so, even- yeah, I'd. Unfortunately, you're going to have to. I'm not going to, uh, uh, like I said, I don't want to reveal too much about I, I get. I wrote, I wrote a little. Little something something in, in the booklet, which kind of explains uh, for most of them, but why they were included. And, and again, there were legitimate reasons why those specific sh- for for most of them why those specific shows were included. And uh, I, 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 it, again, if you read the notes, uh, you'll get a you know, full understanding why. Gotcha. And here they are. Oh yeah, let's hear them. <laughs> Yeah, it's a long booklet. Yeah. Now, this is, uh, I think it's awesome. And just like you said, Tom, these are bootlegs we had back in the 90s. We lived with them and they were awesome. We, at the time, we couldn't believe they were captured. And uh, and here we are with uh, with a box set of them. And that's <laughs> that's something I never expected. But I think uh, the big discussion has been about, has this been branded well enough? Um, because bootleg these days means anything. I mean, Bob Dylan has his official bootleg series, and it's all soundboard and mixed and uh, perfect, and it still has the bootleg banner. And a lot of other artists have this live bootleg series. So the word bootleg only means it's live, and it's kind of not official album, but it's uh, something we're putting our muscle behind. I mean, even so, Big um, Country, I was going to say, even Big Country had the, quote, official bootleg, the, the live 1993 cassette, which... Later was later re-released as Live in Cologne. So yeah, we, we, we've kind yeah. of been down this road before, and obviously that one was a, a a full soundboard recording. Yeah, yeah. So I think that was more an expectation thing for those who perhaps weren't around in the '90s and didn't have these shows, because all of us who had them, we kind of knew exactly what we would be getting. We didn't think that magically soundboard recordings had materialized for these shows. We knew it would be the ones. The big question would be. Were they remastered? Were they tweaked in any way? And that's something we're kind of, uh, I think they sound good. And uh, interestingly, there is a guy listed in the booklet as remastering by. And uh, one day, perhaps we should speak to Simon Murphy, who has been remastering, quote unquote, all these uh, recordings. So some kind of tweaking has happened. But uh, as we know, with audience recordings, you can't really change a whole lot. You can perhaps reduce a a high pitch or something, but... uh, they they kind of are the way they are. Yeah, and and he probably what a lot of probably what he did is bring everything up to like a consistent audio level and try to give it a certain EQ that's consistent among the shows. I mean, I don't know, I haven't heard it, but uh, yeah, as you say, there's 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 no like magic filter that will delete the babbling fools in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Got a lot of that in that Nashville recording. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh man! But look at you, John. You 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 have become like the go to, the go to guy for big country everywhere. You know when th- oh, when someone th- it's God. it's like our buddy Christine. Oh, John. I I I, uh, I renew my previous request to please shut up. 
Well, it's like our buddy CJ. It's like our buddy CJ. She's become like she's quietly become the the go to expert for all things South American. You know, Central so, American. Central American. Yes, that's right. Central sorry. American. Yes. Sorry. She, sorry. She is, she is she is quite the expert, and uh, I I admire her for the work that she's done. Yeah. See how I turned it to someone else for you. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, look, we know you got to go. So thanks for thanks for starting in this show out by uh, filling us in on what's going on, and uh, you know, just from us, thank you also for continuing to host this podcast. And uh, doing all the work that you do behind the scenes in your submarine, in your secret sub, down in the depths of the Indian Ocean. So, thank you. Uh, you're you're welcome, Tom. I don't know where to go with that one. John? Yes? Don't change. All right, buddy. So, is this where I leave? Oh, if you want to. Yes, I guess I, 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 guess I should. To live long and prosper, you guys. All right, you too. Bastard. Enjoy, John. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Uh, Tom, you don't have it. Uh, I know you don't have it, but do you, uh, do you consider getting it? Yeah, I do. You know, I, it, I, I do consider getting it. It's, um, I've got the bootlegs. I've got the original bootlegs, but they're, they're strewn about on my computer somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> as is all of my music. Um, so, yeah, it looks like a nice package, and uh, it, it would be nice to just have that. So, yeah. Yeah, then you can strew about the physical CDs as well. Yeah, then I can put them in different cases and throw them in the car. And <laughs> but uh, just uh, just to pick up on that one point about the, the sound quality and uh, really people's expectations, I think someone made this point that the word bootleg, we keep coming back to that. What does that mean? And does that really signal enough what this actually is? Because, uh, yeah, it does say it's a live bootleg box, but I, I kind of go back to this... Uh, this Monty Python sketch that some of you will know this, uh, others might not, but there is a sketch about um, a chocolate company, Wizzo Chocolate Company. And <laughs> yeah, John yeah. Cleese comes in and uh, introduces the owner of the, the chocolate factory, and they have a chocolate called Crunchy Frog. And I said, am I to understand there's an actual frog in this chocolate? I said, oh, yes. We, we hand select the finest young frogs. And, uh, <laughs> Next, you know, we have number four Crunchy Frog. Ah, yes. <laughs> Am I right in thinking there's a real frog in here? Yes, a little one. <laughs> what sort of frog? A dead frog. <laughs> Is it cooked? No. What, a raw frog? Uh, we use only the finest baby frogs, dew-picked and flown from Iraq, cleansed in the finest quality spring water, lightly killed and then sealed in a succulent Swiss quintuple smooth treble cream milk chocolate envelope and lovingly frosted with glucose. Versus maybe it's still a frog. Oh, what else? <laughs> well, don't you even take the bones out? If we took the bones out, it wouldn't be crunchy, would it? <laughs> it says crunchy frog quite clearly. Well, the superintendent thought it was an almond world. People won't expect there to be a frog in there. They're bound to think it's some form of mock frog. Mock frog? We use no artificial preservatives or additives of any kind. Nevertheless, I must warn you that in future you should delete the words crunchy frog and replace them with the legend crunchy, raw, unboned, real dead frog if you want to avoid prosecution. What about your cells? I'm not interested in your cells. I have to protect the general public. (laughs) (laughs) And I kind of go back to that. Uh, I think if this book had said actual real live audience bootleg recordings um, you wouldn't see some of those comments about sound quality because that's what it is and for those of us who lived in the 90s we knew this we always had these shows 
we knew only so much could be done with them. But uh, given the watering out of the word bootleg, is it fair to expect soundboard recordings? I can see the point, but uh, these songs are available to preview online. You, the entire box is on Spotify for starters, and um, there are reviews. There's been a lot of discussions. I think if you didn't uh, get where this was heading <laughs> as a box set, then you kind of were living under a rock or hoping the best too long. But I have to say, I, I, I played the shit out of this in the 90s, and I was so happy about them. And uh, we'll go through the discs and what's on them, but uh, there, there's nothing really new here. There's um, one thing I could hold against it is these are well-known shows. Most of us have them. Uh, it's the novelty of having them on CD, perhaps slightly uh, cleaned up. Uh, there is a guy credited with doing remastering, so something has happened. It's not just grab the files and slap them on the disc. Uh, they do sound consistent, and uh, I, I guess that's 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 the best you could hope for. Yeah, definitely. And and the shows are great, uh, you know, and there's also one of my favorites was the acoustic show where they did some some very odd choices for the time. I remember being so excited to hear them doing everything I need and one great thing. And th this was uh, these were milestone shows back in the day when they came out. So if you've never heard those, um, you get great you get great Stuart banter as well. And I've seen a lot of people talking about how much they enjoy that you know the, you get the yes. great Stuart banter with the hecklers and the not even just hecklers <laughs> but just people just talking and yelling out things so it's it's a lot of fun there's a lot of good stuff on that so yeah as, as long as you're oh, yeah. as long as you're not expecting high level production and crisp and clean sound with no audience in the background you, you'll seriously enjoy it so yeah, I think so. One very interesting thing for me uh, on disc one, which is the Minneapolis show from November 93, that disc has 12 songs on it, and nine of those come from the Buffalo Skinner's album. Yeah. that That's an awesome uh, thing, man. It's <laughs> nine out of 12 songs on disc one from the Buffalo Skinner's album. They would never have such a high ratio of Skinner's material anywhere. So that's that alone makes this a very standout uh, show. I remember very distinctly getting that bootleg in the mail. It it, it came on a on a cassette tape, and um, it, I think it was sent to me by by our buddy James Birch. Yes, James Birch, who who used to do the uh, it was the All of Us fanzine. I think that's what it was. But anyway, I, I remember him sending that to me, and I was just so excited to hear that. And uh, yeah, it was it was so great, and it was such good quality. That's actually a really good quality show, really good quality recording. Yeah, quality-wise, that might be the best one. So it's a it's a good one to start off with, disc one. If you put that in and have a problem with the sound, then don't even bother playing the rests. Because <laughs> right, right. That, that's that's the go-to one. And and the Skinner ratio really makes that a must-have. If you, if you like the 90s big country at all, it doesn't get better than that, really. Um, and the interesting thing is, if you go to... Um, I'm going to jump to disc three, which is the Sterling show in April 94. This is only four and a half months after the Minneapolis gig on CD1. Mm. And we're down from nine Skinner songs to four. They are already moving away from it in a big way, and uh, including a lot more back catalog stuff instead. And the remarkable thing is the rediscovery of the Peace in Our Time album. Uh, there were zero Peace in Our Time songs in Minneapolis. But here, four and a half months later, there are five songs now at the Sterling gig. And that is the entire net difference in Skinner's songs. Actually, mm -hmm. they dropped five songs from Buffalo Skinner's and put in five songs from Peace in Our Time instead. Isn't that a bit special? Yeah, that's really interesting. 
And I mean, I get that kind of takes us to the the whole uh, without the aid of a safety net period too, where they were they were kind of in between. They were they were past the Buffalo Skinners promotional phase, I guess, and they were trying to think of what they're going to do next. But um, yeah. yeah, I think they were at their very arguably at their best live during that period. I mean, just some ferocious versions of of a lot of those songs. Yes, you can talk uh, set lists uh, all you want, but I have to agree as as far as a live band, that mid nineties period really really showed them at their peak. Yeah, and uh, the Brighton Rock scene is one that a lot of us point back to, as far as uh, it catches them at that peak. And uh, depending on how big your issue with uh, Wide Long Face is, because that album is well represented on that one. I, I love that album, so I have no issues with it whatsoever. But it's a great show. The band playing is fantastic. Yeah. What you get on this box set is the banter. That's right. A lot more banter. That, that was edited out for all the official thing. That was always a bone of contention back in the mailing list days. They cut out all the banter. <laughs> Damn them. <laughs> I remember between this song and that song, he said this, and now there's nothing. Uh, yep. <laughs> this box set is laden with banter. <laughs> they should do uh, like they did with Elvis Presley. In, in 1974, they released an album called Fun with Elvis on Stage. It only has Elvis stage banter on it. Really? Oh, man. Yeah. It's actually that. quite a rarity because that has not been uh, issued on CD. So if you can find that on vinyl, that's just uh, from the sidelines, an Elvis collector's tip. Fun with Elvis on stage. I'm wow. actually looking for that. I'm dying to, to hear that. <laughs> Yeah, so you get a lot of banter in this thing. And um, we skipped CD2. That's the rest of the Minneapolis show, plus eight songs from the in-store in the Tower Records in Glasgow, promoting Wide Long Face. Four out of those eight songs are from Wide Long Face. So only half, which is interesting for an album they were in the store to promote. But hmm. uh, I guess they had to draw in people from the streets by playing Look Away in, in a big country. So uh, CD4, we get the rest of Sterling, but also the first half of that show you mentioned, which is the Sheep Shaggers gig. Oh, it's yeah. actually the infamous Sheep Shagger gig from Rotterdam that is included on uh, on this disc. So that is uh, a fantastic. That was one of my favorite mm-hmm. tapes that I played in the 90s. I loved the Sheep Shaggers gig. Yeah, yeah. It was great, definitely. Fantastic. So, yeah, we all know that. We actually played some songs from that in the past, too. And on CD5, you get the rest of the Sheep Shaggers gig, plus some odds and ends, which includes the gig from Tappy Tories and uh, the Daydream Believer song. So, yeah, all in all, this is a great encapsulation. The only thing that's really missing to to make it a perfect 90s collection would be a Damascus-era show with a lot of songs from that uh, particular album. But uh, you can't complain over what you have. They should have put the Nashville show in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoy that show. Uh, it, it is laden with not just uh, banter, but audience talk, uh, which <laughs> is more of a problem for me, really, than the, the sound quality per se. Yeah, but uh, yeah, one thing is what we can enjoy and listen to. Another thing is what what is worth putting on a, a disc and get even more bad comments about sound quality and uh, and noise levels. So it's a decent collection. Definitely, definitely. And and no mistakes that I've been able to spot. So, awesome! Uh, oh, that's great. Yeah, unbelievable. Really, I'll just need to spend more time with it. We'll see. <laughs> The other release that came out on December 1st was Skids Scared to Dance 3 CD Deluxe Edition. And uh, I also know you don't have it, but I can imagine this is one you will be getting. Yeah, that that is one I'll be getting. I I, I looked at the track listing and um, 
I'm I'm all about the music these days. I, I'm not really much of a collector, so if I see something comes out that comes out and I've already got all of the music, I most likely won't get it. But there are some demos on here that I do not have and that I believe have never been released before. So yes. for, for that reason alone, I'm I'm definitely going to get it, and I'm interested in what your initial thoughts on it are. Yes, uh, disc one is the Scared to Dance album with bonus tracks, and I believe we have all those bonus tracks from previous versions of Scared to Dance. So that's just remastered, sounding nice. Uh, sadly, there's an error on my disc of this thing. After track uh, 14, it doesn't play. Oh. It's just uh, the disc is just scrambled. So I love it. Uh, really, really few things bother me and gets me worked up like like buying something and the product is faulty. Yeah. But uh, leave that as it may. If, if I was going to pick one CD to have an issue with, that would have been my choice because the other two CDs have the new stuff. And disc two has, uh, it's labeled The Virgin Demos 1978. So that's uh, early demos, pre-album uh, demos. I don't know how they fit into the skits chronology because my knowledge of that band is much lesser than Big Country. I am not really a skids, uh, sort of as knowledgeable about them, really. But I, I believe these are demos that uh, half of them I have never heard before. Songs like Zit, Summer, Withdrawal Symptoms, mm. Contusion, Let Us In. Uh, I don't know these. A song called London. Uh, I don't know. Diehards might know them. They, they didn't make the album. They didn't make the, the B-sides or anything. So this is new, early, raw skids stuff. And it's uh, it's really cool. It's really really cool. It's uh, you it's know great. the price of admission alone right there on that disc. I've heard the titles of some of those songs before uh, mentioned in articles and things, especially "Zit." I think that's one of their earliest songs Stuart wrote with with Jobson, mm-hmm. and probably even predates having Jobson around. Um, yeah, I've never heard them, so that's yeah. Like, as I say, that's definitely going to be reason enough for me to get that. Yeah, and then you have the disc three, which is live at the Marquee, nineteen seventy-eight, and you hear 
um, a lot more of the known songs. There, there are more songs, of course, on that disc than the demos. There are 12 demos. There are 17 live tracks. And Zit is there, uh, calling the tune. Oh, cool. Um, some of these others. Uh, so it's an early one, but I think they have more of the album tracks at that point than are playing them. So cool disc. Worth nice. getting. Didn't nice. expect to see it. Fantastic. And that really, um, that is really uh, the year. We have some things coming out really soon, though. Uh, we ha- get Burning Cities continuing to talk about skids. That comes on January 12th. So that's nearly here. And um, we have heard A World on Fire, of course, the Kickstarter early mix. We have heard Refugee, which was dropped uh, not too many weeks ago, November 29th. Yeah, and, and we have the uh, the amazing live album. I think this is a band on fire, and I think this is a band that will do quite a bit in 2018. Yeah, I think so too. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do and hearing their new album. And um, yeah, and, and there is there is one other release and one other big country-related thing I wanted to mention, and that's from Kirsten Adamson. Um, she's got a new project called The Marriage and it's her teaming up with a guy named Dave Burns. Many of you are familiar with him. He used to be in the band Ahab with Callum Adamson. And um, there, there was always sort of a connection between all of the Adamson, well, between both Adamson kids and Dave Burns and the guys in Ahab. But they've they've done they've gotten together to do a project. They don't have an album out yet, but they've been releasing songs and videos on their Facebook page. Um, if you just search for the marriage, you will find it. And they've been doing some live videos and. I think the one song that they released called I Used to Think, um, that that song, the actual studio recording of that song has been released too because I know Joni has it and she's played it for me. And I, I just really love it. I love they've, – they've got two songs that they've released. One is called The Long Ride Home and the one that they released first, which is my favorite, is called I Used to Think. And Kirsten is playing bass. Dave Burns is playing guitar, and I'm assuming these studio album versions will have more of a band um, feel because the studio version of I Used to Think has drums and, and other instrumentation going on. But it's it's very, very much influenced by kind of the alt-country type of thing. Um, it would sit very well uh, with the Driving to Damascus era type of mood of big country. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of something that I think Kirsten has always been kind of into, so... You should definitely check it out because I, I think she's really, really blossoming into just a, a fantastic artist. I mean, I don't know who's writing these songs. I'm assuming both of them. But uh, their voices just are just gorgeous together. I mean, just absolutely gorgeous. Oh, hey. 
If you're familiar with the band The Civil Wars that was big for a while um, here in America, which was kind of a similar thing. It was a guy on guitar and a girl um, on guitar as well, and they pretty much just performed that way. It's got that kind of a vibe to it, um, and I almost think it's that might be intentional, but uh, I, I like this much, much better. I mean, just great songs and um, really, really proud you know, not, I don't know why I would say proud, but I guess you guys would understand. You know, I, I'm just, I just really feel good to see Kirsten doing such great work and, and, uh, you know, really, really growing as an artist. So I'm really looking forward to this release when it comes out. Nice. I guess it's uh, way too early to have any kind of indication of release date. Yeah, I've been checking that out and I haven't seen anything. All, all they've been doing is, um, I know they've been recording because they've been posting about recording and, I guess they're. I guess they're probably in the same situation that a lot of uh, artists in their in their situation are in, where you kind of assemble an album rather than go in and do it in one fell swoop. So it sounds like they're recording songs, and then eventually they'll have a. Eventually they'll have enough together to put an album out. But we'll see. Right. But um, yeah, definitely check those videos out if you haven't. It's really really beautiful stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Good. We look forward to that in 2018 for sure. And uh, we have another release, uh, as long as we're talking about what's coming in 2018. Uh, last year, we played a clip from uh, a project of Mark's called ESP uh, that mm. he works on with uh, Tony Lowe. Uh, they released an album called Invisible Din. That was their first one. And the second one is actually coming on April 13th. So they have a date for it. They are branding themselves ESP 2.0. I don't know if that is a rights thing. If there's another ESP somewhere, but uh, oh, no. or, or or if there's um, you know if they're going to keep adding numbers for each album, like when they release their fourth <laughs> album, there will be ESP 4.0. But but in any case, the, the album 22 Layers of Sunlight will come in April. So that's uh, those who oh, like the cool. first one might like the second one. Uh, I'd look forward to it. There's been no clips, yeah, yeah. no videos. Strangely, I, I've been looking. Uh, but I do look forward to it. And I think, um, especially with Skid's activities uh, starting to take off, we can expect that. Uh, it's good that Mark has a project that is also his project and not just going back to playing with Procol Harum or other people. I always prefer it when they invest more in their music. And Mark has yeah. more music in him than he's probably allowed to let out, like Camp's Medley's theme and the, the other one, which always is mentioned. I prefer to think of Camp's Medley's <laughs> theme. Uh, but now he also has ESP, for, of course. So that will come in April. I'm really interested in, in what's going to happen with that or whatever became of that Pete Townsend solo album he was working on that he told us about when he interviewed with us. Yeah. Remember, he said he was working on a Pete Townsend solo album. And um, I forget what the name of it was called, of course. But uh, it sounded like from what he was saying that it was going to be coming very soon and it's never materialized. So Wow. I guess Pete. I guess Pete is taking his good old time, but that's that's something I'm looking forward to. What Pete has done the last couple of years is he did uh, an orchestral version of Quadrophenia. That was last year, so he spent quite a lot of time okay. recording that and promoting that and uh, putting out a live Blu-ray actually of some shows of that. So that took some time. But what is done this year? I don't know, but uh, I have not paid attention and you actually i had forgotten about that but now that you mention it uh, did you say he actually had a name for that album too i think he said something about it i i'm i can't for some reason the word microphone sticks in my head okay <laughs> i don't know but 
I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but uh, I, I believe he he did drop some sort of a name for the project. Yes, we'll have to go back to episode thirty three and listen. Yeah, yeah, it probably has nothing to do with microphone. It's probably just because I'm holding a. It's probably because I'm holding a <laughs> microphone right now. So you want the microphone stand for Christmas this year as well? <laughs> you know, I have one. Occasionally, I do use it for this podcast, but I go back and forth. Sometimes I like to have just hold it in my hands because then I can move around. Yeah. And, and swing it. You get into sort of all-time entertainer mode. You just walk around the room speaking into a mic, pretending you're on a stage. Yeah. Pretending you're Frank Sinatra. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I have dropped dropped to my knees at times while while uh, dissecting big country songs. Nobody's known it. <laughs> just like our audience. <laughs> <laughs> Tearing their hair out, dropping down in despair. <laughs> oh, man. Hi guys, Niall Featherstone here, checking in from Dublin City in Ireland. Just want to wish Tom and Schwein and all the listeners a safe Christmas and a prosperous 2018. My personal highlights from 2017 on the podcast, number one would definitely have to be the three episodes featuring the interviews with Tony Butler. Absolutely outstanding insights from Tony on his great days with Big Country. Number two, really enjoyed the driving to Damascus deep dives. Some of the songs in that album... Dive Into Me, Spring to Mind, one of my all-time favourite Big Country songs and the analysis that that was given and all the songs on the album. Absolutely great stuff, lads. Really, really enjoyed it. Have a great Christmas, a fantastic and a rocking 2018. Over and out from Dublin. Cheers. And on that note, I think it's time to transition into the podcast episodes of 2017. And like I mentioned to you before, we, we have, I think, what for us is establishing itself as a normal number of episodes, but we have very few actual topics. We only have three topics for 2017, <laughs> where the first one we did was an egg timer episode. Uh, the second thing we did was the Tony Butler interviews, and the third thing was to drive to Damascus. So three topics, Yuletide aside, which always is the Yuletide's uh, fate to not be part of this because we're doing it as we speak. But uh, a lot of episodes, but few topics. But Egg Timer is full of topics. Oh, yes. You know, many, many topics. So, And we never had more Egg Timers sound in one year than in 2017. <laughs> That's great. And even uh, its its brother, the, the wildcard sound, has also made its uh, appearance. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed that episode. It, it really worked better than I dared hope for. <laughs> not that i expected the worst it, it just really worked <laughs> it, yeah it did it did it really was fun because covering 24 songs in uh in a short amount of time that's something that uh knowing us my money was on that not um that we wouldn't be able to contain ourselves but that's why we had the egg timer to be honest i think that really helped us uh be snappier i think so too yeah and we needed to be with 24 songs well especially after that freaking monstrosity called the driving to damascus deep dive yes deep sea expedition searching for the titanic let's talk about that first uh that was um six episodes wasn't it yeah six episodes yeah the long longest and and long episodes we uh i counted the time uh, i think when i announced episode uh, 75 i counted 14 hours 21 minutes mm. Of driving to Damascus deep dive. Wow. Amazing. That was shocking to Amazing. me as well. <laughs> and we have um, 
you know, our, our biggest uh, proponent for, for making the episode shorter, Anke Voltmer in Germany, she, uh, <laughs> I think she is borderline going to start paying us a bonus every time we <laughs> don't go past two hours for an uh, episode. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Yeah. There was a time we had a hard stop. Yeah, we did used to do that very early on. We would keep them in, at 90 minutes so that people could record them onto CDs if they so chose. Yeah, 80, actually. 80, that's right. Yeah, that's right, 80. And uh, good Lord, what what were we thinking back then? <laughs> well, what are we thinking now? <laughs> we we couldn't have even gotten through one song in 80 minutes of driving to Damascus. <laughs> oh, God. That's... That's true. <laughs> That's tragic. Absolutely nuts. But you know, I'm proud. I'm proud of that. I'm really proud of that series. I, I got to admit, I mean, it just—it was a total pain to do. It was, um, in many ways, it was a pain to do. You know, in all kinds of ways, it, it was—it was frustrating at times because it was just so. I mean, it was just so long. But when you listen back to it, I mean, yeah, we 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 tend to drone on and, and things like that. But I I think we we were making legitimate points, you know, throughout, throughout most of the time that we spent on these songs. And it was, uh, it was interesting. Yeah. And I, I'm just, I'm really glad that we, that it's out there, that it's done. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, from, from what I hear ladies, from what I hear, I'm, I'm making this metaphor about birth. <laughs> you, you, when it, when it's happening, you, um, the, the pain is, is difficult, obviously. And, just like i'm never doing this again but when it's finished you forget about all that stuff and then you just think about what you have now and uh not to be too melodramatic about it here believe me but um yeah it was a real pain to do but now that it's out there it's just nice to know that it's always going to be out there and and if people want to delve into that album more they they can always go find that so i think it's great and i'm glad it's done i'm glad it's done uh, primarily at this point, I think uh, we we had plans to do more episodes in the year, but we were quite honestly spent after that. I think uh, it takes a lot out of you, and that's not just uh, the the length of the thing, but that too. It almost collapsed under its own weight at times. Uh, that's just what she sitting said. there with, yeah, and it uh, <laughs> and it almost did. No, he, it... sa- he said it too. <laughs> in this case, so it. It really was a long thing, and you you can imagine fourteen hours twenty one minutes of finished product. <laughs> um, obviously, we spoke together a lot more than that, but uh, like I've told you, us talking about it was the fun part. It's um, I always enjoy sitting down discussing. Although I must admit, as um, usually we finish before it gets too much and at the end i think we were both running on fumes and we yeah. said it i'm running on fumes man <laughs> who starts today you start no me start and okay we have the order kind of figured out anyway but yeah we um that it it was a tough one and also the subject matter for some of those songs as we got into them especially mid album there were some really heavy tracks yeah and uh and you need to deal with that in the right way and at the same time know that we're just talking about the song but uh, like I said, we sit and do research. It's more than just a discussion. It's more than just a finished product. There's a lot behind it. And uh, to sit and read through all the cases of the people who were murdered, that uh, song like Trouble the Waters, it's uh, it's not a fun Saturday afternoon pastime of mine, I, I must admit. But uh, right. 
you know, for, for the for the podcast, you do it. Yeah, and then the very next day, we get the worst mass shooting in United States history. And then the next time we get together, we've got to, you know, talk about that. And we didn't really talk about it, but we've got to talk about the other songs with that specter looming. And I had to go back and record a bit of an intro for that episode to explain, you know, that we recorded it before that happened. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a, just a dark, dark time all around. But, you know, the good things about it was that it... it I mean, and I heard this from other people too, but it also happened this way for me. I talked about it on the show. It really gave me a new, a new respect for that album, and and ra- mm-hmm. raised my consideration of it quite a bit. And I think that's that's very valuable, you know. And it's, uh, I I'll, I'll never listen to that album the same way again, and I'll probably probably be more inclined to listen to it at times as well. So yeah, know, and then, and then just doing the egg timer thing that we did, I thought worked out really well because yeah we were running on fumes but then doing that and doing it that way really forced us to refocus and <laughs> you know be be with that limited time frame that we that we had to work in it it made us kind of it jolted us gave us some energy again and it was a lot of fun to go back and talk about all those other those other uh little songs that you know we hadn't dealt yeah. with so it was cool yeah, definitely. And we needed to shift gears a bit after the album itself. And actually doing that kind of cleansed things a bit for me. It uh, sort of ended it on a lighter note. And uh, that's, <laughs> that was useful to me. It's been, um, there's a reason we didn't do any other episodes after that because we were so tired. But I yeah. I felt I felt good about it. And ending it with that egg timer thing kind of, um, that could have been its own episode easily. I, I always oh, said, yeah. um, you know, given the length of that, we could just keep that as separate episodes and call that the Drive to Damascus B-Sides or Natics. Uh, but, you know, it, it works that it's part of it, even though it's a monster episode <laughs> with everything in it. <laughs> and the option also would then be to have Grace and the closing discussion in one episode. And that kind of felt uh, a little uh, uh, like too much, really. Yeah. But we did the same for the Buffalo Skinners, where we had one song left, which was... Uh, Chester's farm, and then we went into some B sides and some closing thing, and that worked well as an episode. So, yeah, yep. Hope you liked it, folks. Definitely. We, uh, yeah, and and uh, we said this actually on the on the Facebook page of the podcast just just yesterday. Somebody thanked our wives, and um, they they have to endure more than uh, than you guys think. Isn't that true, Jen? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So <laughs> was she that drifted a, by. Was that a rare appearance by Jen? Yeah, she's already gone. But oh man! <laughs> but that was timely because I was just saying that these guys have to endure quite a bit. I mean, th- there are times when um, I know that when you record, Joni takes your your little ones somewhere else so <laughs> that you're not ambushed. She used to. Yeah, I guess it's less needed than it used to. Yeah. Also, as they get older, they're lurking about right now. <laughs> oh. Well, I haven't heard the ambush, so I guess you're safe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yuletide is the one where they always come in. I know. I guess true. they're they they think you're wrapping gifts or something. Maybe that's it. They're, <laughs> they're playing video games. Yeah. No, but uh yeah, so what I was saying is really just that our wives keep the the things going in the background and uh when we do Damascus, something like Damascus, let's say it's fourteen hours of show. There's definitely twice that in uh, 
the stuff that's edited out and more than that in preparation. Uh, the amount of time is immense and this is not a complaint. It's it's really just a reflection at the end of the year. Right. <laughs> that uh, there's a there's a reason we ran on fumes because like I said, the the, the actual recording of these things, if you use the the analogy of uh, a band touring, that's showtime. The, that's the two hours on stage, which is fun. It's the traveling that wears you. And it's it's the research and the editing and the the putting everything together that uh, that wears you. Yeah. So um, and there was a lot of that for Damascus. So <laughs> that's. <laughs> so yeah, thanks to our wives and uh, for for all of that. Send them a thank you. Send them a thought. They are more important for this podcast than people realize. Just like <laughs> other people in the background, like uh, JF and G. We need all our guys in the background. There's a team. That's right. I agree. Thank you to all. But that's Damascus. Uh, let's go back to the previous topic, which was Tony Butler. Uh, we finally got him. I know. Wasn't that awesome? That was so great. <laughs> I stopped hoping. Yeah. I mean, you know, going all the way back to, I don't know how many years ago it was when I tried to get him on the show. And, and uh, he was, as always, so polite, you know, just like, thank you. But I, I... And beyond that now, I have no interest in going back to the big country and talking about it, but I really appreciate what you guys do. And if that ever changes, I'll let you know. So, yeah, you know, we might have asked him once after that, but then we, we certainly didn't pester him. And then um, when, it, when all this other stuff was happening, he seemed to sort of let it be known that he was ready. And yeah. we're so thankful that and appreciative that he really picked us as the first people to talk to so Mm -hmm. you know that was great that was just so much fun to to talk to him and uh real thrill and it it was it was it was great closure in a way too because we now have talked to all the surviving members of the band very extensively and um i'm proud of that as well so it was a great series yeah, that was incredible. It's it's really funny how uh, we seem to keep them as long as we possibly can. And there's, I think, in the case of Tony, we had to leave. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. Or, or we had. To, well, he, he he said, "Well, I have to walk my dog, but the dog can cross its legs." <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so yeah, there there was an ailing dog, and eventually we were ailing. But that that was fantastic, and I think. Um, yeah, we could probably even have stretched it, but it's better to to bring someone back and not uh, not be running on fumes in everything we do. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It was yeah. it was great. It was great. It's always so much fun to get a chance to talk to those guys and and pick their brains a little bit about stuff. And they're they're always great little nuggets that get overturned and and discovered of big country uh, minutia. And um, yeah. Yeah, it was it was awesome. It was really awesome, and it, and it was bittersweet too because you could tell that he was still obviously you know uh, who obviously who wouldn't be you know emotionally touched by the uh, talk about Stewart and and when he brought him up and discussed certain aspects of uh, of that relationship, you could tell that the pain was still very raw and probably always will be. So. Yeah. You know that, but that that meant a lot that he was willing to share some of that stuff with us and and uh, with all you guys, and this at the same time. And uh, I hope other people found that sort of healing in a way. Uh, I know I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one thing that was really fun for me was hearing him uh, 
thinking through something as we were asking it. And I said, hmm, okay, let me navigate my way back to that time. And he started talking about it and more things would come to him. And that was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, really, really fun to, to just be part of that process with him. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was really yeah. great. And at the same time, this is uh, obviously Tony's uh, memories of things as he remembers them. And uh, he kind of heard that, uh, you know, band members re might remember things differently and Bruce's memories might differ from Tony's memories. So, uh, but it was fun to follow Tony's memories and uh, just see what he, what he had there. And uh, he, uh, I think he surprised himself because he came to the show and he said, after a while, he said, you know, I'm actually really enjoying myself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and I think he came with a view to, you know, I'll sit down and talk with these guys. Yeah. But uh, you, you kind of feel the situation out. And I'm very proud that together we could create an atmosphere for the guy where he felt comfortable talking about these things. And he sensed where we were coming from as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. In fact, um, you mentioned mm. you mentioned his book. Uh, there was a there was a passage in there where he was talking about. Um, back in 2012, where he did an interview before the band played, and he talked a lot about Stuart and um, and other things, and it, it really bothered him after he was done, and you could you could just tell that his his heart wasn't ready yet to really go into all that stuff, according to what he's saying in in the book, and um, it, it affected his performance and kind of affected you know his mood that day so so it's nice to see that he's come to the point where he feels like he can talk about these things in a way that doesn't have that that negative impact on him and um right you know and feel good about it and yeah when he when he when he made that comment um yeah i felt the same way i was like oh, this is great you know i'm so glad because i always worry going into these things whether it was with bruce when we first started talking with him uh mark uh anyone you know that I always worry that we're going to, you know, keep them too long or wear them out quickly or, you know, yeah. I, I don't want to be that kind of guy who's, who's, you know, constantly <laughs> bringing up all these things and they don't want to talk about them or they don't remember much about them or whatever. So, so yeah, that, that made me feel good that he, he was fine with everything we were asking and he felt good about the atmosphere and he was enjoying himself and making jokes. And even with all the heavy topics that we were discussing at times, there was still a lot of fun things that we talked about too. So yeah, th those are great episodes. I really, really enjoyed those. Yeah. So thank you to Tony for doing that. That was, that was just great. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah. And uh, the one episode or topic we haven't talked about then was the initial egg timer episodes. And I think at this point, the egg timer is almost becoming the third co-host of the show. It <laughs> it really works. Um, the format of that show works as a break from uh, from heavier things, which is why also it worked so well after the Driving to Damascus one to end on an egg timer segment. Yeah. So it, just, it just works. And uh, it's, it's nice. And I have to... Um, I didn't send around... The, the questionnaires and the, the ask for feedback forms to everybody this year, as I sometimes do. But I asked for some feedback on Facebook and I will have to call out Nick Gachovitz, who said, favorite podcast moment, 2017, Swine's performance of Sling It in the Actiber <laughs> episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's always the afterthoughts that gets remembered. And I have to say, after 
uh, after interview episodes with Tony Butler, after the deepest of deep dives, uh, Drive to Damascus, I kind of cringe when I see it. That performance of Sling It <laughs> is the favorite moment. That's <laughs> but uh, it was for, pretty for great. comedy value, probably it's uh, it's worth mentioning. <laughs> oh yeah, that's definitely worth mentioning. We uh, we we try to give of ourselves. What can I say? I know that it's uh, it's a crapshoot. It's a piss take. But if someone can laugh. Then, then I'm happy to have them laugh <laughs> of me. I, I, we, we, we got to give of ourselves in that way. G'day, Tom. G'day, Svein. It's Andy from Melbourne. Uh, guys, wishing you a very happy Yuletide episode. Thank you for another superb year of podcasts. Uh, your quality and consistency is just uh, without peer. Uh, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart for all the hard work that goes into this show. Um, I do have a, a question for you guys. Um, once Stuart was asked, do you think you've created a monster here? Um, I mean, I, I think you guys certainly have. Uh, this podcast has just gone from strength to strength and it's just built uh, to the point where it's seen by many fans as a real big country in so audio encyclopedia. So uh, the question at, at, that was asked to Stuart was, do you think you've, you've created a monster? Uh, guys, do you think you have? Uh, and if so, at what point during the podcasts did you think it was just becoming enormous uh, and hard to control? Um, I'll also leave you with one more thing. Uh, instead of saying cheers, I know, Tom, you're like your Aussie slang. So instead of saying cheers here, sometimes when we're raising a glass, we will say up your bum. Uh, so, Tom, Svein, up your bum, guys. Love your work. But, but that sums the episode up. Lots of good topics. And um, uh, one of the topics we covered there, this is a, a transition coming up. We had a question from Andy where he was digging into some 12-inch uh, uh, mixes and the sublime messaging from Stuart. There are other things coming from Andy. And this is a Yuletide surprise that we're moving into. And... Uh, Tom knows about this, but he hasn't heard it yet. So he will hear it for the first time as soon as the rest of you. I can't wait. Over the summer, a tape showed up on eBay. And I will I have a picture of it, uh, and I will read what the label says on that tape. It's a cassette tape with uh, a label that someone had written on. And it said, Big Country, three tracks from Steel Town. One, East of Eden. Two, Just a Shadow. Three, Where the Rose is Sown. And interestingly, it said... Where the rose is shown, with shown scratched over and sewn written behind it. <laughs> so I don't know if that's an earlier title or just a mistitle or something. Track but... Records actually discovered and caught a mistake early. <laughs> yeah, back in the mid-80s. <laughs> and under these three tracks, it says, These are rough mixes and do not represent final LP quality. Please do not let out of your possession. Ooh. After sales use, please return to... And then there's a name and an address. So this was clearly a, a tape with uh, early versions of three songs sent to a record company executive to preview what was coming on Steel Town. Now, this is uh, very fascinating indeed, because on the Steel Town Deluxe Edition from a few years ago, we do have some rough mixes. 
we have rough mixes for two of these tracks. We do have a rough mix for East of Eden and Red Roses Zone on that deluxe edition, but we do not have a rough mix for Just a Shadow. And that is included on this tape. And uh, so, yeah, it turned up on eBay. Andy saw it and uh, he brought it to my attention and we looked at it and said, Andy said, I'll try and bid for it. And he discovered it, so it was kind of his, but we made a deal that uh, obviously he buys these things to share them. So these tracks will show up on the BC Thousand Stars YouTube channel in due course. But uh, that will be sometime next year when he gets uh, his ass in gear. For now, uh, <laughs> we will debut a song on this show. So you hear it here first, and sometime 2018, you might hear the other ones. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a little interesting uh, what this is, because... Uh, as it turns out, I don't think this is rough mixes. Just a shadow, which is the interesting rough mix that we, we don't have it. Uh, it's not really remarkably different, but the outro is different. And uh, after carefully listening to this, I think this is not the rough mixes uh, of the deluxe edition of Steel Town. I think these are mixes done between those rough mixes that we know and what ended up on the album. Hmm. So it's an alternate finished mix. So uh, for Shadow, it's not very different. It's got um, the outro. There are some different instruments highlighted here and there. There are some um, vocal bits that uh, are different on the album as far as uh, backing vocals here and there, but it really doesn't sound too different. To the casual fan, they will say, this is the same as on the album, <laughs> but no, it isn't. And uh, the really telling bit is the outro. But we'll feature this song. It's new, big country, and really from an album where we don't have any demos in any form. This is, this is how we can really reconstruct the songs on that album. So you'll hear East of Eden and Where the Rose is Zone, the sort of pre-mix thing on Andy's YouTube channel next year. For now, we give you just a shadow. Just to be filled, and it feels like you 
Thank you to the big-hearted Bogan. Absolutely. It was kind of funny because he, um, no, we were both kind of wondering, what if someone else discovers this? Because we had we had a couple of weeks where kind of <laughs> he was saying, I, I hope Stuart Menaces don't see it and post it on <laughs> so everybody. <will> <laughs> how much? How much was the final bid? The final bid wasn't that big. I think he got it for uh, not twenty bucks. Oh my goodness, that's amazing! I know. If people had found out, it would have been way up there. But he was buying it so he could share it. So, you know, everybody wins. Uh, let, let's not give Andy a huge bill because he was ready to go in the three digits for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we got it. And that's all that counts. And the history of this tape and how it ended up on the market is also very interesting. I know who the seller is. I think he wants to keep a low profile. He didn't do anything wrong, but he got it from a record dealer in Newcastle called Pet Sounds. And that store has a history of buying promos and items from uh, record company people. So it's almost a dumping ground for them. And that means that people can sometimes find treasures there. And this tape made its way there. And uh, as it happens, a big country fan managed to find it. And he, um, after quite some time, he sold it. So I don't know how long he had it. He must have had it for years. Wow. And clearly selling it for a you know not unreasonable amount either. So not trying to profit from it just say hey maybe someone else is interested in this and now um, now we'll soon all have it great that's awesome or, or have access to it anyway i can't believe i forgot to say this in my speak pipe in the uh egg timer episode guys you obviously you didn't get much time to uh talk about the songs and, and you did your best i understand that but um look there was one line that i think absolutely needed to be mentioned and it and it was left out um tom this one's for you um, from another misty morning, I stroked my head and then stared at the pale blue sky. Then I wondered why. I wondered why. What's going on here? Hi, everyone. This is Kara from New Jersey. I'd just like to wish everybody a happy Yuletide and happy holiday season. I hope everyone's doing well. And... Um, the big highlight for 2017 for me was the driving to Damascus, deep, deep, deepest dive. I laughed, I cried, I learned lots of things. Uh, one part that had me dying of laughter was fine using the wild card on another misty morning. I think I was screaming at that point. Just couldn't believe that he would do something so goofy. Uh, I cried during... The Trouble of the Waters deep dive, um, it brought up hate crimes that I hadn't known about, American hate crimes that um, really hit and struck a nerve that I was young when the song was written and recorded. I didn't know about them, so I'm glad that I was educated about those things. And speaking about education, I also learned about Loserville. I, unfortunately, when I bought the Driving Damascus album, I think it was a German one that misprinted Dust on the Road as Loserville, so I just thought that Loserville was just like a made-up um, mistake title or something, so I didn't realize that Loserville was an actual song. When I learned about that song, I fell in love. I think I listened to it for like, I don't know, a straight week, usually the live version. I don't like the studio version as much. So again, oh, and the B-sides. Um, show. I didn't know about that extra one. I can't even remember what it's called. The unreleased one. But I hadn't known about that. So I appreciate that as well. 
But anyway, again, Tom is fine. Amazing job. Amazing. I just can't thank you enough. So much work that you put into this. You guys are legends. Thank you so much. And I wish everybody a safe, happy, and healthy 2018. And shout out to John Guvea for uh, giving out his, some of his collection. It's very kind of him. You have lots of love in this community. So again, and uh, thank you. Happy holidays and have at you, everyone. The next segment, we're going to put Tom on the spot here. <laughs> we, our, our favorite bit. I don't know if you're a diehard Spotify user. I think you, you're aware of it. You probably dabbled. But there's a feature in Spotify where sometimes on an artist's page, the artist can choose to make a playlist on their own. And oh. if you go to the Big Country Band page, there's actually three lists at the bottom there, where one list is called Bruce's Picks, another one is called Jamie's Picks, and another one is called Mark's Picks. Wow. And if you look into these playlists, each playlist, it's not a massive <laughs> amount of playlists. There are three songs in each, three <laughs> big country songs. Oh my so each goodness. of these guys have picked three big country songs to feature on their personal list. And I'm not going to make you guess each list, but if I look at the nine songs, which there's no overlap of, by the way, can you guess which song would be featured somewhere? Just throw some names out and we'll see if you can uh, guess what these guys might pick. Oh my Lord. <laughs> yeah. Easy. So, so just just throw a song title out there for one for one guy in particular, or or just in well, general. Well, if, if, it, if it matches one, I'll tell you. Okay. Um, look away. Sadly, not picked by anyone. <laughs> okay. Wonderland. Bruce picked the Wonderland twelve-inch mix. Interesting. That's one of his. Okay. Um, what would Mark pick? Um. I know what I would pick to showcase Mark. I just don't know if he would feel how he would feel. Um, geez, I'm going to go. How about peace in our time? Not picked by anyone. Okay. I just know he likes the drum sound on that album. Mm. Um, uh, Where the Roses Sown. Not picked by anyone. In a big country? Mark has picked in a big country pure mix, the twelve inch mix of that song. That's okay. one of his picks. Interesting. So okay. Interestingly, we have two twelve inch ones so far. Those are the only ones. Uh Chance. Chance is not picked by anyone. Um Red Fox. I know this is picked by all. <laughs> no. Oh man. Uh anything from the journey? Nothing from the journey. Alright. That this might be an easier way to do it. Anything from Damascus? Nothing from Damascus. Okay, that really is narrowing it down a bit. How about Kansas? We're not in Kansas. That is one of Jamie's picks. Really? The Buffalo Skinner's version of We're Not in Kansas. Yes. So you actually have one for each now. Nice. Okay. Um, anything from No Place Like Home? Actually, yes. Really? Okay. Uh, oh, that's interesting. What could be from No Place Like Home? Um... Republican Party Reptile? That's another one of Jamie's. Wow. I knew that had to be the one. Okay. Um, anything from Peace in Our Time? No. All right. Uh, anything from The Seer? Mm, no. Wow. Okay. Just a Shadow? No. 
<laughs> Tall ships go. That's what I, I would hope that Mark would pick. But that's one of Bruce's picks. Really? How he cool. picked Tall ships go. All right. Um, inwards. Nope. The storm. No. Pearl men. No. <laughs> Anything else from the crossing? <laughs> oh yes. Oh, of course. Um, Let me say that time, that album, sessions and material. Yes. Okay. Lost Patrol? No. A Thousand Stars? No. If you think B-Size from that time. Heart and Soul? No, not that one. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, I, I think it's got to be The Crossing, right? The Crossing is one of Mark's picks. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And another B-Side from that time? Um, Angle Park. That is the last of Mark's picks. Oh, Mark's. Interesting that he picked yeah. Angle Park. I figured Bruce would pick that. But I can just cover the rest. Because, yeah, just uh, go ahead. Yeah, it, it's fun only so long, and then it starts being flogging a dead horse. So Bruce's picks, you picked, uh, you correctly identified Wonderland, the 12-inch mix, and Tall Ships Go. His third one is Seven Waves. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And for Jamie, you identified Kansas, the Skinner's version, and you identified Republican Party Reptile. Jamie's third pick is Restless Natives. Nice. Interesting. And for Mark, you have identified all of them. The Crossing, Angle Park, and a Big Country 12-inch mix. Excellent. So there you have it. I did respectably. <laughs> yeah, I, th I thought it was uh, just interesting to find this, uh, that, that they even exist there on Spotify. Yeah. That they, they all picked three songs, and also then what the songs would be. So, um, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Hey, Tom, it's fine. This is Corey Crowley. Wanted to thank you for all the research you do and uh, all the information that you've brought to the uh, Big Country community over this last year. It's been a great pleasure to listen to the extensive deep dives. Um, and I wanted to express my thanks to your wives for their understanding. As you guys, this is obviously truly a labor of love that you guys do for us. Thank you very much, and have a great year. That takes us to the final part of the show, which is Yuletide questions. I always ask for them. Sometimes we even get them. And uh, this year, I, one of the reasons I didn't really ask more than uh, if anyone has any, just feel free to type them in. We have so many left over from last year. <laughs> last year, we, we covered two, I think. <laughs> and and I have... In uh, a four-hour Yuletide. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you get for saving it for last, and we're already over time. So there you go. But uh, they're still valid, most of them. And not all of them necessarily, but uh, most of them. And we also have at least 10 questions from 2017. So I don't know if we're even going to get into that backlog, but we'll see. Well, let's try. We have some, and um, we'll uh, start with the newest ones. And we have one from Hoob Devon, who asks, name your top five big country moments of 2017. Oh, hold on just a second. My wife has just walked in. Say hi. Swine says hi. Hi, Swine. Two hours later. Okay. I'm sorry. That was uh, Top five big country moments of, of 2017? Yeah. It's cool that we have two wife buys on the same day. Yeah, that's pretty, fu that's pretty funny, right? <laughs> totally unplanned. Yeah. Wife buy. Drive-by wifing. <laughs> That's how we do it. <laughs> it's old slap bash tag team approach. 
Okay. Um, top five moments in 2017 from Big Country. Gosh, it's hard for me to it's hard for me to say that. Because, I mean, I know we just talked about Big Country moments, but um, okay. I, I guess for me would be um, okay. Here, <laughs> this says a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, here's one for me. I I I like uh, this is recent. And this is seeing Scott Whitley take the lead on vocals, singing "Runaway" by Del Shannon. Yeah, that was one of mine too. Is th- is that a, a favorite song of mine? I mean, it's it's a great little song, you know, and it's it's not really a big country esque song, but it's in the vein of the tracks of my tears thing, I think, you know. And it was cool to hear Scott Whitley actually step up and sing. And that guy has an awesome voice, an awesome voice, an awesome bass player. Seems yeah. like an awesome guy. I mean, they chose very well with Scott Whitley, and I just, uh, I really like him, and that yes. was that was cool to see. Yeah, I think I I agree. So I just have to chime in a little bit. I think nobody expected them to come out with a new song. Not that it's a new big country song, but that was a surprise to everybody. Yeah, and like you said, it's I don't think it's anyone's favorite song, but it became a favorite moment that they did it, and. Um, also, the the fact that they framed it like, okay, it's Christmas time. Let's have a bit of fun and <laughs> ending it with Merry Christmas. So this is actually very topical for Yuletide. And yeah. I think for those who haven't heard it, let's play it now. Nice. This is the big country Christmas party. So are we all in a party mood? It's a bit of fun. As I walk along. What went wrong with our love? Love the world so strong. And as I still walk on, I think of the things we've done together while our hearts were Shake it. Ooh, I. Ooh, I, 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 
I like that. I <laughs> and I wonder why. Oh, no, no, no. We're going back into that. <laughs> I wonder why. And well, that's my yes. worst, worst, one of my worst moments was discussing that song. No, that turned into a great uh, se- sequence, I think. <laughs> Your groans, they were worth their weight in gold. Yeah, I guess they were. Okay, yeah. other moments. Um, 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 well, like I said, I don't, I haven't purchased any of the releases, so I can't really say that those are big moments. Um, I don't know. I have to go with, I, I mean, I have to go with stuff that we've done, even though it's not necessarily big country, but I mean, talking to Tony was definitely the, probably the biggest moment big country related for me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else. I mean, yeah, I've, I've been watching their, their shows. I've been watching clips of their shows. They seem like they're in really great form. Um, oh, I'll tell you one that I thought was really cool, and that is their new walk-on music, which is, of course, old music, Restless Natives, but I saw a recent show where they walked out to the opening strains of a portion of the Restless Natives soundtrack, and mm-hmm. the live band kicks in right in the moment, right at the moment in the soundtrack where the song Restless Natives begins, and I think that is maybe their best intro walk-on music and whole experience that they've ever done. It's so powerful. And uh, so that was great. That gave me chills when I saw that. And, and especially when they, when they launched right, when Jamie launched right into the, uh, the live portion of that to start the song restless natives, that was great. So that's about all I can muster. And that's not a, yeah. an insult with big country. It's just that they haven't really done much <laughs> new this year. So no, that, and that's the challenge uh, for either one of us who we don't have live memories to draw on as far as our moments our favorite moments. But I would have to say the fact that the, the band can surprise us with a song like Runaway, that's a cool moment. I would have to say that the release of a set like uh, We're Not in Kansas would end up being a moment for me. The fact that it uh, exists, the fact that uh, they are using finally JFNG as a consultant, the fact that, uh, yeah, that some people complain. And I don't complain. That is unusual. <laughs> That's a good moment. Uh, no, but also, I think for me personally, also the re-emergence of uh, Tony Butler as a solo artist is a huge yeah, moment great. for me. Um, always been a fan of his solo work. Uh, glad to have him out there again, talking about big country and, uh, you know, just contributing again, being being a part of the scene. I think he's been missed. I, I've missed him. I'm very happy to have him back. I look forward to the album. And uh, I look forward to the book. And I noticed you didn't mention Tony's book in your favorite moments. Is this the time to ask you to have the question, what's Tony's book like? As someone <laughs> who has read it, you only got it yesterday. So you've really, either you, re- you read quickly or the book isn't as long as we thought. Which is it? I, d- I devoured it very quickly. <laughs> and I, I I skimmed through it. I need it needs a rereading, but um, yeah. I mean, it it. Well, I will say this: it was definitely shorter than I was expecting. It was a small book, probably about 120 pages. It's got definitely some good nuggets of info of the period of um. I guess you could you could call it the Mike Peters years. There's a lot of talk about those years, but there's not. If you're looking for if you're looking for a kiss and tell type of book where the the dirt is dished and the dirty laundry is aired you'll be disappointed that's not what this is and um tony is very quick to say that in the book 
and he will he will criticize some people in the book, but then he will immediately come back by saying, you know, but I love this person, you know. So it's like it's it's if you're looking for that, it's kind of a, a I guess maybe not doesn't meet expectations if you're looking for this is what happened during this time here are all the details because there are a lot of moments where he'll just say you know i'm not going to talk about this i'm not going to get into the details of this but this is the general thing that happened Mm -hmm. so you got to completely respect that from him but at the same time as a reader and a big country fan who who kind of wants naturally wants to know and and it's just natural to want to know yeah you're going to be maybe a little bit disappointed at the lack of specificity in the book. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, it's definitely not an autobiography. It's, it's very much more like a memoir, which is as he, as he portrays it mm-hmm. and a lot of, a lot of stream of consciousness type of stuff at times. Um, very short chapters. Uh, he does, as he said to us, he does have a lot of moments where he has these little flashback memories inserted into the, into the stories that he's telling. Some of them are very interesting. Um, some of them are about things that I wasn't really familiar with. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it's, it's, it, Tony definitely comes through. Let's put it that way. The, the Tony that you expect comes through very polite, not wanting to cause discord among anybody, not wanting to burn any bridges, wanting to make sure that he acknowledges that he, that he knows that there are two sides three sides, maybe four sides to every story and that this is just his side. So it, I, like I say, if you're looking for a book dishing the dirt, you won't find it here. Um, I can't see any of the members of the band being really offended by anything he says in the book. Some might, uh, some might question some of the things he says, or some might say, no, that's not the way I was feeling or he misunderstood this. But there, there's no, there's nothing in the book where someone's, in my opinion, where someone would would read this, someone who was associated with the band, and think, "Oh, that bastard!" You know, I'm never gonna have anything to do with him again. So clearly, the people involved mean still mean a lot to Tony, and clearly, the the main problem here was a difference in opinion on Ian Grant. I mean, Tony was on Ian's side, and the other band members weren't, and they wanted to make a break from Ian Grant, and Tony did not want to, and even though there were other things that were bothering him at the time. For example, he was not a big fan of the material that they were writing that would lead to the Journey album. He was not thrilled with what he saw as Mike Peters' uh, role, growing role in the band. He felt like... Uh, he he mentions at one point that after a show, a fan came up to him and said that this is this is becoming the Mike Peters show. And he said he just smiled politely and walked away. So it, you you got the sense that he was sort of feeling that too, like maybe he was resenting Mike Peters kind of taking over the band in a way. But it, but then he's quick to say that everything Mike did was respectful and he had no problems with the way that he sang the songs and approached the songs. One, one thing, and I'm not going to give away all the stuff in the book, but one one thing that I did think was interesting was he talked about the lyrics as being very important to him when it came to new material. Hmm. And he and he was very interested to see what Mike Peters would do. He said he was he wasn't that he obviously was familiar with the alarm, but he hadn't really delved that deeply into Mike's songs, where he was totally um, familiar with his lyric style. So he thought, well, we, you know, we'll give him a chance to see what kind of lyrics he can come up with to these to this music that we're writing. And 
he talks about the song Another Country and how when he first heard the song musically he thought it was it was okay it was a good starting point you know he wasn't he wasn't blown away by it but he thought it was something they could work with and then he said after they recorded it he really sat down to look at the lyrics or or actually when they were in the process of recording and he sat down to look at the lyrics this is with Steve Lillywhite mm-hmm. and and i think he he was kind of intimating that he was disappointed in the lyrics and he was especially not happy with a lot of what mike did which we talked about when we we talked about the journey album where he where he infuses a lot of big country um lines into songs where he might he might throw in the phrase a thousand stars into a song or he might throw in something that's clearly from an old big country song and and tony didn't seem to like that he he kind of he didn't like that he kind of thought it was too much i think he called it a pastiche of big country like like too much going back to the past and he he kind of didn't in he didn't think that was great lyric a great lyrical approach and i don't think he was comfortable being that tied to the history of the band he he clearly wanted to do something that moved the band further along uh, musically mm. and um so i think that's interesting and, and as he says later in the book it's really just it's it's not necessarily a case of right or wrong it's just the way that people approach things and i think mike was going really out of his way to show that he was going to be respectful of Stuart adamson and of what he brought and that was his way of doing that was was um, you know, mentioning older lyrics and yeah. other moments that big country fans would immediately recognize. Whereas Tony really wanted to just move forward and um, not be so tied to the past of big country. So anyway, it, it, there are, there are a lot of interesting things in the book. I wish it had been longer. I wish it had been meatier, I guess with, um, with, with a bit more info. So, you know, I'll be interested to hear what other people think of it, but uh, it's definitely a quick, a quick read. I'll say that. Yeah. And I'm glad I'm glad it's out there. I'm glad it's there. Well, it's out there to one person at least. Uh, I have not <laughs> seen any mention of anyone else having the book yet, which is uh, surprising. Well, it is kind of. But you know, I th- I found out about it being available by a guy who said that he had ordered it on Amazon and that it was scheduled to be delivered this weekend. So, you know, the, there must be other people who have gotten it this weekend who have ordered it. Um Yeah. But, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And, of course, by the time this episode is out, which won't be um, immediately, it'll probably be another week, then most people probably would have it and have more opinions. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so as of, and, and maybe I would have it then, too. I, I don't really have much to add right now. It's really interesting to hear what you have to say about it. And my only question would be, before we leave this topic, is uh, the situation with Ian Grant and uh, – sort of the split, which I guess is what the book is referring to, the title. Um, Is that situation clarified or is that another one of those examples where he will only say so much and not really go into it? Yeah, you know, it's not really clarified at all. And that that was a bit frustrating. And yet, and yet also, as I say, totally understandable. And and you got to respect him if he doesn't want to get into that. But at the same time, he talks about them, there being problems with Ian Grant from from Bruce's perspective, from Mark's perspective, from Mike Peters' perspective, but he doesn't say what those problems were. So mm-hmm. it's it's hard to gauge. You, you can still only sort of guess what they might have been. I'm assuming they were something to do with a financial type of thing. Um, he does mention the the infamous banner hanging incident where Mike yeah. Peters hung the Love Hope Strength banners, and as uh, those of us who were 
you know, part of the big country message board, which was still going on at the time. And we remember like Bruce's really angry public uh, response to Ian on that subject. I remember that and thinking, oh boy, you know, this, there's clearly trouble, trouble here. So, you know, Tony kind of takes a stance in the book that he understood Ian's perspective. You know, like he kind of says that while he respects what Mike was doing and Mike's fight, he thought Mike should have checked with Ian first before hanging all of those banners and, and promoting that organization. So, I mean, it seems like it's just a, you know, obviously there was, there was more to it than that, but it just seems like there were, there was some, some power struggle there. And I, I can only assume it probably, you know, came back to money because that's the only thing I think that's going to really cause the kind of anger that seemed to be there. Yeah. Either money or, as you say, a power struggle. You know, you have to make your stand. Like, I'm yeah. the manager, I decide. Or I, I, I never quite figured out why things happened there, because he hung up those banners everywhere, didn't he? But that was the day yeah. where he hung them up once too, too much. So I don't know what was special about that one day. You know, surely he, he brought them along with him on every tour, or on every date on the tour. Yeah, you would think so. It, it must have been maybe he did more that particular show or had more of a presence. I don't know. Or maybe that maybe it was just building up over time, and that was the show where it finally yeah. Ian, Ian just finally said, "Look, I've had enough of this." Yeah, I don't know. But it's it's such a it's such a difficult thing because how do you while you can understand you know someone being concerned about that from Ian's perspective, then it's like how do you criticize someone who's trying to raise money for a cancer charity? You know, it's like. <laughs> So it's it's a weird situation, but um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, he talks in the book too about Tony about um, wanting to have bigger thinking, as he put it, for the band's future, like thinking more long term and in a bigger capacity. And he's always talking about how Ian thinks big, like Ian has these big plans and he even references the moscow trip you know as an example of that and he references the elizabeth mcgovern thing too as an example of that and something that people weren't happy with and and even tony had reservations about i'm I'm speaking of elizabeth mcgovern joining them on stage to sing chance at one of their shows so yeah it's it's an interesting book there there's some there's some interesting nuggets in it and it's that people will be fascinated to read and that there are other things where you think, man, I wish he would elaborate more on this, you know? So mm-hmm. I come, I come away with questions from the book is it's not answering a lot of questions, but um, it's, it's just part of the puzzle. You know, it's nice. It's still nice to have Tony's thoughts on things that we haven't really heard before. And I get the feeling this will probably be as much as we'll get from Tony. And it'll be, it'll be interesting to hear if there are any reactions from the other guys and, uh, yeah. and pushback. So we'll see. From what you're saying, I don't think we can expect much of that either. If if Tony's being very careful, then there's little to push back on. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't take anyone really to task uh, in no. any kind of way. And you know, as you would ex- as I said, as you would expect from him, he he any any criticism he levels, he will often counter it almost immediately with a compliment. So it's like you know, it's going to be hard. <laughs> it's going to be hard for someone to to be really offended by the book. So. All right. Sounds like uh, he could be a politician in training. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, I do look forward to reading it. I can't wait to get it. But um, I, I, my expectations are, are adjusted based on what you're saying to uh, kind of know what I can expect from it now. Yeah. So. Yeah.
All right, good. That was a that was a long answer, but I think that was a good answer. So <laughs> <laughs> let's see how many more we can fit in. And uh, we have a question from um, Ayelet, who uh, we kind of talked about this uh, on on the Facebook page as well. But she asked, following the release of Renard in Kansas, would it be possible for you to talk about all existing big country bootlegs? As a newbie, I for one would be interested to hear what bootlegs are out there circulating about. So the, the question is actually very interesting, but um, I kind of shut it down a bit as a Yuletide topic because this uh, this is another deep dive. This is there are hundreds and hundreds of bootlegs. Um, <laughs> I know. So Ayelet, I, I was not shooting down the suggestion, but this is this is a bigger topic than we can tackle realistically in a Yuletide, and uh, also this. Um, the levels of research needed to do it is it, it might be on the level of driving to Damascus. <laughs> really, unless you want us to sit and read just a list of hundreds of uh, of bootlegs, but actually add something to it, then um, and and we could make that a good topic. But yeah, it's um it's parked in the idea bank, and it might even be uh, a notable idea in the idea bank. But it's not a Yuletide topic. Yeah, I, I can I can throw a little bit of commentary here maybe just very briefly and as, as i said to islet i think if we did something like that like that it would have to be divided into kind yeah. of per- periods of the band um but uh, let me just say real quickly about some of my favorite periods of these bootlegs uh, i mean you've got the crossing period you've got the steel town period where, of which there's really not much um and you've got of course the seer period the, the, these periods are great and we've heard most of the bootlegs from those but they're they typically fall into the category for me anyway of once you've heard one show, you've probably heard the others because the set lists don't tend to change very much, and there's not, you know, not a huge variance. For me, the the interesting, really interesting bootleg period begins prior to Peace in Our Time when they started to play a lot of these songs that would wind up on the album or on the REL tracks, and they did yeah. that uh, under Raps tour. I think those are some great shows, and we've talked about them on the on the podcast before, where you get like the untainted um non peter wolf uh <laughs> influenced songs played live and and for the first time so that's really fascinating um and then you know the peace in our time tour has a, has a few interesting moments too but it kind of falls into the early stuff what is there are a couple cool moments like east of eden which appeared on the bbc box set Great to hear that done with the Peace in Our Time flavor I don't know why but it was really interesting to me No place like home had some interesting uh, bootlegs in there as well. You get a you get a different drummer. You got uh, a new keyboard player in Colin Berwick. You know what? I I really wish we had more songs from from that actual album because they uh, they are played fantastically. I would have loved to have heard Dynamite Lady live. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would love to hear oh, many yeah. of those the more atmospheric tracks. I would love but, to have heard uh, that too. They, they did play your favorite Leap of Faith. <laughs> yeah, they played that quite a bit. But one I skipped actually though was was the 1990 period. I think that was a really interesting period of bootlegs because that was when Pat Ahern was in the band. That was when they had released Through a Big Country, which did really well for them. They were trying to figure out what they were going to do next, and they did some really good shows. I mean, Pat Ahern is never going to be Mark Brzezicki. We all know that, and you can criticize his drumming for that reason or whatever. But they still they did some really great shows in that period, and they were playing some songs that they hadn't played in a while too. Uh, you know, they were playing the Seer live. They were playing um, Heart of the World live, which you didn't hear ever. They even did like a rap version of Heart of the World. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, and and they had some good shows. So you know, and you go through the Buffalo Skinners and Why the Long Face and all that stuff. But you know, 
you would have to definitely tackle this in time, in time frames. Yeah. You skipped the best years, actually. <laughs> you, you glossed over the Skinners and Weidelung phase, which I think are the best live years. Some really interesting uh, set lists and digging up old album tracks to play live. I lead on for the first time since uh, some airings in the mid 80s, but not a long, not for a long time. Right. Yeah. That, that was fantastic. That was fantastic. And Winter Sky, too. They were, they were bringing oh, yeah. that out. They actually, they brought that out in the No Place Like Home tour. They, they started playing that. So, yeah. Yeah. A lot of good stuff. A lot of good, a lot of good banter, too. So much we can dig into, really. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and based on, you know, that, that was a five minute sweep and we didn't get into a single bootleg. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> and, and still, you said so much. But so, yeah, it's a, as a topic, it's highly interesting. And we, we have exhausted most of the albums. Uh, which takes me to a question from Andy Pledger. Will we be treated to a crossing deep dive next year? Mm. A lot of people have been asking about this. Wait, didn't we already do that? We did the crossing. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. We did the crossing and it was awesome, people. It was awesome. <laughs> I resent I resent greatly the idea that you need another crossing deep dive. Yeah. Except we didn't do it. You did it. Oh, oh that's right. But it was a deep dive. No, it was an album talk through. It was not a deep dive, <laughs> but it was a good start. It was my homage to, to uh, the podcast, podcast approach. Yes, and you're even way deeper than they are. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> it certainly uh, is is on level with most podcast uh, album discussions. That that's that's how deep most of them go. That's true. That's true. We spent an hour on the album. That, that's uh, that's well by a lot of people's standards. Yeah, I thought that was normal back then. <laughs> How could anyone want to talk about this more? Does this mean that I am to blame that when I joined, everything got bloated and uh, long-winded? <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't in good conscience blame that solely on you, considering my 30-, 40-minute discussions on one song that I'm sure have happened. <laughs> A couple times. <laughs> no, but uh, didn't we, I'm sure we both had that, but... Uh, there is a crossing deep dive in the works. Yes, we will. We will do that, and um, really, that's the final frontier for us as far as deep dives go. You know, the, that's that's the last album. Sure, there are there are other live albums, there are other topics that could be that could be deep dived. Yeah, but, like uh, bootleg one could could be a deep dive, and yeah. that would be the kind of direction to go if 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 this continues past the crossing. Then that would have to be the the topics we dive into. Right, right. But as far as the studio albums, this is the last one we have left. So, uh, yeah, so that'll be a special one. And, you know, as Fine, as Fine alluded to earlier, we, we were actually, believe it or not, we were actually thinking of possibly doing the crossing after we did Driving to Damascus, before we did the Yuletide. I mean, what? how insane. And not only what? that, not only that, we also were going to do the Wonderland EP. <laughs> <laughs> How did we not learn? I, it's, I don't understand, but... Yeah, but... But these plans were... That was before we started the Damascus journey, okay? That yeah, was... It was. Uh, we, we kind of thought, we do Damascus in August, September. We have Wonderland in October. We can do the crossing in, in November and early December, and then a Yuletide. So on paper, that pans out. But of yeah. course, as, as we know, Damascus was twice the length, really, of what I expected, Twice the length. That's what she said. Exactly what she said. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and we quickly realized, you know, you know what? This isn't going to work. Let's just wait. 
even if there had been time, we uh, we were spent. Really, we have, yeah. It would have suffered if we had plunged ahead with the plans, and that's uh, one thing we we would never do is just plunge ahead with some plans to get something done. If we feel that you know we're, we're already worn out from from Damascus and the crossing is. Uh, well, it's easier and it's harder because everybody knows it so well. There are very few things to bring up that most people don't know. And I don't think we will go out of our way to dig up factoids that uh, nobody knows. I think we will do a decent cover and just focus on the songs. And it's not going to be a new record uh, episode. I think that will go back to some sort of mid-deep dive length I don't know how long they were sort of in the midst of deep let's dives. Not even, let's not even speculate. No, <laughs> we don't know what will happen. It might be longer than the earliest ones, not the, longer, <laughs> the later ones. No, I don't see how it could possibly be. No, but uh, but yeah, that needs to be a that needs to be a celebratory um, show series of shows where we're at our where we're completely fresh and ready to go. So we're not there yeah. yet. So we'll see what happens. But it it will happen. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. Hi, Tom and Svine. This is Jamin Wheats dropping into the Great Divide podcast from the U.S. Just wanted to say thank you once again for yet another outstanding year of podcasting. I look forward to each new episode as it rolls out. And as I do quite a bit of driving, I find myself going back through saved episodes and re-listening and listening again. Uh, They've become nearly as constant companions as the big country songs themselves. And they really make the miles fly by that much faster. In thinking about some high points from this past year, there are many. Of course, getting the great Tony Butler on the podcast was a long-awaited treat for any BC fan. And hearing the nicest man in rock and roll regaling us with bits of history about the band that we didn't know, his stories, his long-lasting relationships with his bandmates, and uh, with people associated with the band was just outstanding to hear. Driving to Damascus, mammoth, moving. I think that you guys really outdid yourselves with the deep dive treatment given this album. Difficult subject material to deal with. Difficult topics for fans to deal with. And I think that you did that brilliantly. Uh, The detailed history that you gave in the first episode cleared up a great deal of murkiness for me as to what Stuart's relationship was with the band at that time and where he was. And then, of course, the detailed history and context that you gave for each song was welcome. Uh, I think that you can sense uh, a particular theme as to what interests me. And then on a lighter note, of course, we have skids versus the skids continuing debate. Uh, The Cenotaph versus the Scorpius and Tom and Svein's voices uh, and how that battle would have played out between those fictional characters. Svein sings Sling It, Tom and Svein setting people straight as to what not to do at concerts like talk over potential bootleg recordings and the funny voices that were associated with that. Uh, The B-sides bonus uh, material, that was unanticipated and quite welcome. 
And then the great Tony Butler setting everybody straight about what not to do with Mark Brzezicki's kit. Now we know. So thanks, Tom and Svine and John, for all that you do for all of us fans. And to all the great dividers out there, all the BC fans, and to Big Country, Merry Christmas, have a Happy New Year, stay alive, and a very special holiday have at Yule. All right, we are four questions in so far. <laughs> I know, gosh. Well, let me ask you one. I got to get this one in. This is this is from uh, Jamin Wheats. Okay. He he was he messaged me about how you reacted in horror in a in previous episode when I was talking about my CD collection, and um, he said we cut to something else before you could adequately describe the state that your collection is in, and he wanted to know what that state was. So, like, if you could give if you could give the listeners like a visual of of what your vast, perfectly ordered CD collection looks like, I think people. At least one person out there wants to know. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's been a couple of years since we talked about that, hasn't it? So finally the question is reappearing. The time all blurs. Oh, yes. Well, um, I think the main difference is just that mine is organized, and I was shocked to hear the lack of organization in yours. So, uh, <laughs> Were you really shocked? I was actually a little bit. <laughs> And even if it wasn't shock, it was maybe it was a mixture of shock and horror. Maybe more horror. That <laughs> how can people treat their collections this way? But uh, to give a visual, well, that that becomes almost a visual of uh, our house because uh, our collections are really spilling over into the house. Our house is a museum. So if you come in through the front door and into the entryway, you will see a lot of perfectly framed signed photos adorning the walls. That's just <laughs> a lot of. Um, uh, but that's not music collection. So you go past that room and you come into, uh, okay, you have my working corner. That has shelves on three sides. Uh, one shelf has all the box sets and one shelf has um, a lot of um, specific artists that I need to keep handy. And one shelf has uh, music, books, and literature. So that's that. And then you come into the main living room. Uh, our dining table is uh, surrounded by shelves with CDs in them mm. uh, to the point where it's a decor in itself. At least that's what I'm saying. This is It's a decor choice. It's nothing else. <laughs> uh, and it's uh, organized alphabetically. I think everybody does that. Who doesn't sort the CDs alphabetically? I've heard some insane stories of people who sort them by color. Uh, that uh, That is insanity. If you sort your CDs by color, I'm sorry, we can't be friends. What about not sorting them at all? Well, um, don't, don't lead me down this path. I, I can't take it. But just stacks? What about just random stacks of CDs? Well, uh, that um, as a temporary solution, if you have a lot of incoming, this is my challenge. My The challenge to my organization is the amounts of incoming. I yes. get uh, CDs in my mail nearly every day. Yeah, see, I don't buy CDs anymore at all. <laughs> well, it's a choice. But if you do, you, there's an obligation to to organize them. So I'm I'm not surprised you 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 can't have your CD ownership card has been revoked when they looked at your <laughs> lack of organization. But but the incoming is the challenge because um, 
I, I've reached a point now where um, I can't just buy a CD and go to its alphabetical spot and expect there to be a free space for it. So uh, that's why the organization is a bit split by, um, you know, in, in my work corner, I mentioned having some some bands immediately available. That also helps. If I can, like, take a band like Big Country, if I have two meters of Big Country in my CD shelf, various things, and take that out of the main alphabet-sized collection and put that in a special Big Country spot, that's just Big Country and it's there. And maybe I have four meters of Kiss stuff and put that in a safe spot. That's a lot of free space in the thing that just reorganize and shuffle. There's a lot of reorganization and shuffling. Just like others weed their garden. I, I am happy when I can just not weed, but just tend to the CD collection. So that there's a lot of that happening. So when CDs come in, they, they end up first in, in piles in my work corner that I listen through them. I have this rule. I don't know if others have this problem, but I have this rule. If I buy a CD, I need to listen through it once. And a lot of people will say, of course you do. That's why you buy it. But when you get uh, like 10, 20 CDs over the course of a week, listening through it (laughs) gets to be a chore. So I I give myself some weeks where I don't buy anything. And that's usually catch up. And there's a question that's waiting for us. The favorite releases of 2017 uh, this was also discussed on the Facebook group, and I remember your response is you, you spend enough time on your own music uh, that you don't necessarily buy new music. And then my answer is more like I was looking through my lists and trying to just get out all the stuff that is from 2017 that I bought because I'm working on an overview for a different page I'm doing. And uh, it's nearly 70 CDs just from this year that I bought. Oh, and, wow. more than, and more than that that I listen to on Spotify, I don't buy everything. So it's uh, there's a lot of incoming. That, that's what it is. And that, that's what is challenging my organization. But uh, I have these times where I just spend a couple hours getting things in order. And it's uh, that that's just a sort of mental switch off. Nice, enjoying, rediscovering the CD that's next to something I'm putting in and stuff like that. So it's, uh, I don't know if I'm answering the question well, but uh, it's at least. Um, <laughs> you answered it well. Uh, yeah, um, it's at least uh, <laughs> my approach to and uh, thinking about CD organizing and collecting. Fantastic. Maybe I should post pictures. I should. Your house should... is made of CDs, isn't it? <laughs> and comic books. That'd be pretty cool looking, actually. I have. Uh, yeah. Well, if you if you sit in our dining room and all you see on the walls the shelves of CDs, <laughs> it looks like the walls are CDs. So that's a <laughs> that's an interesting view. Oh man. All right, well, there's your answer, Jamin. Yeah. And anyone else interested? Okay. You guys wouldn't know it, but we are just uh, backing in after a two-hour break. And, Tom, what did you do in this break? This two-hour break? This two-hour break that uh, happened in five seconds for the (laughs) listeners. I was trying to shoot footage for a video that I'm working on for a song that I've just finished recently along with an ep i've just finished recently yeah so i was outside shooting in the woods with my family <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing like free labor that's all i can afford that's all i can yeah. afford these days but yeah it's for a song called sugar plum fairy and um I, if you guys are frequent visitors to the great divide podcast facebook page you're probably familiar with um with my hawking of my my music my occasional hawking of my music there but yeah, I've got a new EP out. It's called Rail, and um, I'm, re- I'm really pleased with it. But it's 
It's something I've been working on for the past couple years, I guess. We spoke about uh, your album when Dan was out. We were here. We did a special episode on that album. And one of the things you said then was how, you know, as satisfied as you were with that album, it was very exhausting and you didn't see yourself making more music for a while. It's kind of like podcast. You needed some time off yeah. to recharge. But uh, it didn't take long before you started writing songs again. Yeah, it didn't. I was surprised. Yeah, I, th- I thought I was sp- I was kind of sp- spent for a while because I, I do all this completely on my own. I don't have anyone else that I'm working with except for, again, cheap and available family members. My wife happens to be able to sing, so I get her to sing backups on some songs. But uh, other than that, I do everything myself. So it's it's a lot of it's a lot of work. It's a lot of uh, time consuming type of work. And when you got two little kids, you even have less less of that. And when you do a podcast full of twenty hour deep dives, even less. But <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, music's always been a huge part of my life. Obviously, I wouldn't be doing the show for one thing. But um, yeah, it didn't take too long, and I was writing songs, and then it was just a matter of trying to record them, and then. My perfectionist nature when it comes to all this stuff, I just had to get it exactly right, and um, or, or at least to a point where I feel like, okay, I can live with this. So, yeah. <laughs> so I did. But I only had time to do five songs this time, and um, so I went mm-hmm. the EP route. But I, I, think, I think that's a good I, – I like the EP route. I'm probably going to just keep doing EPs. As much as I would love to be able to do full-length albums because I love the whole album – uh, idea and just the idea of putting an album together. You can still do that with an EP, and I've got like a th- kind of a theme around this EP, even though it's just five songs. And it's just, uh, I don't know, just the way music is listened to these days and delivered these days. I hate to almost capitulate to it, but it, it is easier to just do a short burst rather than a big, long 12 song album, especially when you're doing it yourself. So, so yeah, mm. Rail is the newest, and um. Yeah, I'm. It's it's just came out recently, and uh, like probably within a, a week ago, as of this recording, and it's available on iTunes, and I have got a new website that you can check out too, called kirchmusic.com, and uh, you can go there and and listen to all my stuff. I've I kind of along with releasing this new album, I've remastered three of my early albums that I did, and so they're all available now in remastered form, and uh, for better or worse, and. Uh, so yeah, I've got like five releases now. And the, the thing is with all my stuff, um, the the proceeds all go to charity. So I've, I've been donating to charity over the last couple of years, ever since I released the We Were Here album. And believe me, I'm not like changing the world with the, with these donations. It's not huge donations by any stretch of the imagination. But that's part of the reason that I wanted to, to donate it to charity because I'm not making a ton of money off of this. So I thought, well, you know, why not put it to some good use instead of, you know, buying me a meal <laughs> or going to the movies or something with all the earnings that I make. So, um, yeah, so the, the the current album and the current release, Rail, and with the release of the remastered stuff, I, I just kind of wanted to find a new charity to, to donate to because I've donated to Mike's Love, Hope, Strength. I donated to uh, um, a Native American school in the past. I donated to something called AmeriCares to help Puerto Rican uh, people dealing with the hurricane aftermath. So, and thank you, by the way, to everyone who's ever bought anything from me and and helped me contribute to those things because obviously I couldn't do that without the people actually buying the stuff. So I really appreciate it. And so for this one, I thought I wanted to come up with something new, you know, to kind of go with the new album, new release, new new uh, things available. And um, somebody on our Facebook page brought up a sad post uh, about a family member who had committed suicide, a relative. 
And obviously, when you read stuff like that, you're going to think of Stewart immediately. I mean, because of that, we've all been touched by Suicide, who are fans of this band. And you, you, listeners to the show might be aware that I've mentioned him a few times. I've got a, had a friend who did the same thing. Literally two weeks after Stewart died, he was a really, really great friend of mine. And his name was Chris. And um, so when I when I saw this post, I just obviously thought of those people, and it immediately sort of clicked. I wanted I want this new charity to be something to do with suicide prevention. And so I started to do some research. And amazingly enough, I actually found this place in the UK that that is a suicide prevention organization. It's called Grassroots Suicide Prevention. They're not a very big charity, but they do stuff throughout the UK. And they actually, what, what really caught my eye was they had created this app, this free app for people. And it's designed to give you all sorts of resources to help help not only people who might be contemplating suicide, but also people whose loved ones might have this problem and they want to help them. And it's got all these, like if, if you're contemplating suicide, it's got all kinds of hotlines that you can immediately reach out to in your area that can help you. It's got, it's got things like, um, that you can create in advance that, that are, that's sort of called like a, I can't remember the name that they use, something like a dream book or a life book or something where you, you have all these things that you love. And if you need to call them up, you can call them up and look at them and maybe hopefully help you, you know, put this, put a bad decision off uh, in, enough for you to get help. It's got all kinds of really cool resources. But the thing that really was the kicker for me is the name of this app. It's called the Stay Alive app. And so when I, when I saw that, I was just like, oh, my gosh. You know, the, I don't know how much I believe in fate, but, uh, you know, it's like it was just really cool. And, and I thought, okay, that's what I got to donate to. So I and it's not just to that app because they were they were running like a a Kickstarter campaign to develop the app originally, and they, they got enough funds to do it. And now they're trying to tweak the app, add more to it, make it more available. And they're also doing other things throughout the UK. Like they do these these talks. They go from community to community and do education on suicide prevention. And, and uh, it just seems like a really cool organization. So with that in mind, everything that I make from, from the sales of the albums from this point moving forward is going to go to that organization. And uh, I want to make a donation in honor of Stuart and in honor of my friend, and in honor of any other names that anyone who's, who donates might want me to add. I've already got a couple, actually, which is, which is you know, nice. And, and it's not nice, obviously, but it's nice in, in the sense that I'll be able to honor those people, too, through this donation. So, you know, I, 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 hate, doing, I, I hate doing self-promotion. Made that clear. <laughs> my stammering probably makes that even more clear. Um, just like John Gouveia hates to take compliments, I hate to promote myself. It's it sort of sucks, but at this point, <laughs> that's all I can do. So, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm hoping that people out there listening, you know, if, consider purchasing some of my music. And each album is like five dollars. The 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 We Were Here album is the is like seven ninety nine, but everything else is under five dollars. And anything that you you donate will be really appreciated, and everything will go to that suicide prevention the grassroots suicide prevention organization and this and the ongoing development of the stay alive app um you can go to my website again kirchmusic.com check it out you can listen to the songs and see what you think and you can buy then if you want from cd baby from itunes from anything you know when we we've we've done this show for six years now we've never asked anyone for anything we've we didn't start it to do that 
you know, there are there are other podcasts that have like members only versions of their podcasts, and you got to pay to hear them. We don't we don't do stuff like that. Um, we don't sell anything, you know. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> um, that's another story altogether. But uh, you know, yeah. we just we just try to entertain with big country stuff, and and it's not like we're martyrs. We would do it anyway because we love to do it. So I'm not trying to paint the picture like look at all. We Sometimes do. I think we're martyrs. Yeah, maybe sometimes. Driving to Damascus, probably, we were, yeah, we were entering martyr status. <laughs> purgatory. Yeah, really. So, you know, I'm just I'm just bringing this up to say, you know, if you've ever gotten any enjoyment from this show, and I've, I've actually heard from people saying, you know, we'd like I'd like to thank you for the show, and if there's anything I can do to thank you for it, you know, do you need this, do you need that? Like, eh, don't worry about it. But if, if you want to thank thank me for the show or us or whatever. I know this isn't Spine's thing, but he can, he'll probably have something too down the road. <laughs> Who knows? But if you want to thank me, you can, you can donate by purchasing some of my music. I mean, it's hopefully you like it. It's very big country inspired. If you haven't heard any of it before. Real in the face of all that you fear. Real when your heart's been cut ear to ear. Real when your God has stolen Bury 
it's very big country inspired. I like to think it's of a professional quality. And if you listen to it and like it, buy it, it'll go to this cause to support this ongoing effort to help people to stop, you know, doing these things that take them out of out of the world and take them out of our lives. Like you said, it, this might not be uh, something I have done, but uh, I certainly uh, am behind and endorse where the money goes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, please consider buying them. I've uh, I have all your albums, but I bought them anyway just to support this cause uh, oh, this, this week. Thank so you. Uh, you, you'll have uh, at least the sum of a meal. When I know <laughs> that I'm not actually feeding you, but supporting this thing, then I I didn't hesitate. I just took the plunge. No, so, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. And also, uh, I, I know that it's tough for you to promote. You, you don't do a bad job of it, but I gave you a little help. So I can talk about something I've been doing, which is uh, yeah, yeah. something I thought about for a very long time. So so you've made music this year. What I have done is uh, set up a music page. And I've always written about music. I've contributed to music magazines, um, lots of writings. And I just decided, you know, I could do a whole lot, but I wasn't always comfortable bombarding my personal Facebook page with uh, articles that basically go to my friends. So I set up a page that anyone can like. It's called Rocking in the Norselands. I was hmm. really struggling for a good name. I can probably change it later. I, I like my handle better, which is actually Norselands Rock. So if you go to <laughs> facebook.com slash Norselands Rock, you, you come to that page. But uh, it's basically just a collection of things I feel like writing about and uh, that will be for for anyone who who cares to listen and engage and discuss so go give that a like it costs nothing unlike tom's music so that's even easier <laughs> but uh, but just to help out uh, as as it happens at the time of this speaking i'm actually writing about you because i've been having this series of musical friends i, I know so many people who make music and i just want to help them Get uh, get known. So I've written about uh, our big country pal Jason Allen. I mentioned some other people I know, and I will keep mentioning a couple more. But uh, I do have a piece about you right now, and uh, <laughs> it has a couple of uh, podcast related laughs. So go there, like the page, look at what I'm actually writing about, Tom. It's uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you're laughing, and you should. <laughs> no, it's it's a very cool page. I I didn't even know you were doing this until. Uh, I saw that you shared a link to it one day, and um, I, I was shocked to see that you were like talking about Bruce Springsteen and box sets of Bruce Springsteen. I was like, I didn't think Svine would ever like Bruce Springsteen, but lo and behold, little did I know. And uh, yeah, you've got a lot of cool bands. Uh, you did a thing on Zebra recently. Uh, I can't say that I'm a gigantic Zebra fan, but I'm very familiar with a lot of their stuff. I had a good friend who was a huge Zebra fan, and um yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting page. It's 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 a great way to get in touch with uh, fine serious knowledge of of music. So you know, I I totally bow to that because I'm very knowledgeable about certain things, but uh, not on that level. As far as so many bands, you know, you know quite a bit about. So it's good good stuff. Well, thank you. Hopefully, it's of interest. I, it's obviously stuff I like, so everything won't be of equal interest to everybody. But uh, I'd appreciate uh, if you check it out, give it a like. I, I, if I if I reach a hundred likes before the the end of the year, I'll be happy. I only need nine more. Oh, so, nice! <laughs> can we have nine people, please? Thank you. You will. So that's something I've been doing. So read about Tom there at least. Go there, and make fun. I actually wrote. Uh, 
a thing about my uh, first introduction to big country. That was an article on that yeah. page, and and Andy shared it. That's on, what I uh, saw the, first. Yes, that's yeah. what it was. That's what it was. Andy shared that on the Through a Big Country page, and that's probably half of my uh, likership <laughs> comes <laughs> comes from the sharing of that from uh, a lot of big country people. So, yeah, and I, I will mention big country from the time to time. It's one of the huge bands for me, obviously, but uh, there will be lots of other stuff too. No, that was very nice. It was very well written, and uh, it was a good. It was a really good piece. And yeah, I'm the same way. I market my music to big country fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who else? And by the way, yeah. speaking of that, really quick, I just I'll give a quick shout out too to a good buddy of ours, Jason Allen. He's he recently released an album that I think is really really good. It's uh, called Roads from Ruin, and we've we've mentioned it on our page too. So if you, if you want to check out Jason Allen's stuff, really fantastic musician and great guy, really talented guy, and uh, just a cool guy all around. So Jason Allen, Roads from Ruin. If you pick that album up too, because uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. Lots of good stuff. Yeah, definitely. Everything I'm not came in from the cold with gold in my hand. It was colored like the sand. I gave it back to the land. It wasn't mine. What the hell been going wrong? Where I stand, it feels like. I can't tell what's going on And like I said, um, I wrote about Jason uh, on that page just a couple stories before Tom's entry. So yeah, that's right. Keep plugging our friends. So if anyone out there that is would like to call me a friend, wants me to promote your music, bring your checkbook and, and visit Rockin' in the Northlands and I'll see what I can do for you. <laughs> hello, Tom. Hello, Svein. Hello, everyone. This is Ayala Tax Team. Uh, nothing special to say, really, just uh, to um, say thank you for a, a wonderful year with uh, that uh, tour de force of a deep dive into Damascus uh, that you recently had, uh, which was magnificent. But also the uh, series of, uh, of with uh, Tony Butler, the uh, three-episode interview, which was, uh, first of all, it was really great to finally hear him on the show and uh, was, of course, very informative and also quite moving at times. And uh, I would uh, also like to congratulate uh, Tom on your new EP and Svein on your new Facebook page uh, uh, on rock music. And um, that's it. Thank you both. And um, have a, a wonderful new year and uh, happy holidays to you and to the entire Big Country community. All right. And All on right. That note, we have more questions. We have at least a couple more before we round off this Yuletide. Yeah. Um, we have 
some questions seem to come every year and we have um, kind of staying within the topic of of music uh, Brian Morris is asking how about you two sharing your favorite albums of 2017 during the Yuletide episode always interested to hear what you guys listen to do you have three or were you all about rail this year oh man I, I have to go with rail <laughs> because that's you all I knew your own. you can't <laughs> pick your own come on uh, all right all right um I didn't buy anything new this year. I, I, I'm trying to think. What what did I buy? Well, obviously I did. It's going to have to be Jason Allen, the guy I just mentioned, for Rose from Ruin. I that would be yeah. that would be right up there. Because and honestly, I would feel that way if I didn't know Jason. It's really great music. Um, but he said the the question is favorite albums of 2017, not necessarily from 2017. So what did you listen to of anything? Old favorites? Oh yeah, I mean, listen to Driving to Damascus a ton in prep. In preparation of for the deep dives. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know. I, I can't. I just can't answer it because I. I really. What I do a lot now is um, is is make mix mix. Play, I make playlists. I was almost about to say mixtapes. That's how old I am. I make playlists and I I just shuffle them. So it's uh, I songs. My favorite songs. I just listen to in in random order. So it's hard for me to like. I don't think there's been an album that I've really been into this year that I thought, um, you know, listened to the album and just wanted to really get into an album. It's just been random songs here and there. So, right. yeah, I mean, being so invested in making my own stuff, I just haven't really been out there seeking out new music this year. So it's been more of uh, relying on the oldies but goodies and, and the occasional release from someone like Jason. So it's a boring answer, but it's a truthful one, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, but everybody doesn't necessarily spend tons of time searching for stuff. You have a you have a lot of stuff from over the years. Yeah, and yeah, good. I'm, I'm happy with what I have. <laughs> yeah, I, I just it reminds me of a line from the the movie Fire Walk with Me by David Lynch, where this guy this guy's in a trailer park and he just he kind of says, uh, "I've been places. Now I just want to stay where I am." <laughs> good i've heard stuff now i just want to hear what i already have heard now i i, I love listening to new music and, and discovering new music so I, i'm up for that all the time just didn't really happen this year yeah well you should hope that uh less people are like you otherwise uh why would they go out and and find something like rail yeah really <laughs> hopefully not do as i say not as i do yeah no so i have a couple things i could mention and uh uh, obviously, this question we saw it coming, and so I thought, you know, who who should I be talking about? Because I kind of have the opposite problem with you. I could I could fill an episode of this thing with stuff I've been listening to and discovering, and how I feel about it. But that's what I have this uh, rocking in the Northlands page for now, and I'm actually going to be doing a top ten albums of 2017 countdown at the end of the year, potentially spilling over into next year, but. Uh, that's nice. something I'm thinking about. Will that include EPs? No. Oh, there are no man. EPs in that list. Damn it! But uh, you know, you you've been given a lot of space, so so be happy. <laughs> <laughs> True. But uh, I I I want to highlight a couple of things. Just to uh, there are people who deserve you know a little bit more recognition, and you know my page is not going to bring anyone worldwide fame at this point. But uh, when I'm going to reach my millionth uh, follower, then perhaps. But uh, one band I've been discovering uh, 
by the name of Greta Van Fleet has really made an impact. Uh, they have not released an album. Yes, I know them. I just saw them mentioned yesterday on a on a Kiss page, and I just saw them for the first time. That's so weird that you bring them up. Yeah, it's uh, they've been going since uh, 2012. They hail from uh, Frankenmuth, Michigan. So this year saw the release of the first two EPs, and their plan is to release three EPs. So when the third one come out, then they will collect them into their first album. Interesting. So so they're going kind of a similar route to yourself. Yeah, and they're just like really young too, right? Very young. Uh, it's a four-piece. Three of them are brothers. It's kind of like we can time travel back to 2017 when Led Zeppelin was in full flight, but went by the name of Greta Van Fleet. They really <laughs> sound like... <laughs> yeah, they do. They Zeppelin. sound exactly like that. Yeah, some songs are, are carbon copies. Uh, actually, that's uh, just a snippet of a song called Highway Tune. <laughs> song really reminds me of Led Zeppelin and I am um, but but there's more to it than that they, they bring their own thing and if you listen to more songs than that one that was picked just to to highlight that similarity the other songs are a bit more uh, cast the net a little wider but they can't quite escape that comparison but that's good because we don't have Led Zeppelin anymore so we need someone else to pick up that mantle because Robert Plant has decided to be difficult. So um, <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of a shame. I, I see a new band like Rita Van Fleet come out today, and it's almost like they don't have a chance to to get out there, like bands did in the 70s, 80s, even 90s. There, there is no record company that will back these people. Mm-mm. They They are competing really sort of against the stream. If that expression translates, I heard them mention in, in that respect. Someone was talking about rock being dead, and then someone brought this band up, and they said in in a couple of years they're going to rule the world, and I, they're going to sell out stadiums. And I went and I checked them out, and I thought, wow, these guys are fantastic. But I don't think they're going to be selling out stadiums simply because of the way the music business is these days. You know, yeah. it's like I would I wish a band like that could because they're so talented. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, it's just crazy. This was something that Gene Simmons said that, that people misunderstood. When, when uh, uh, people say he mentioned that rock is dead, and all he was saying was that the rock business model is dead, and how that could impact uh, rock music. So, Great yeah. Defense Fleet is definitely uh, proving that rock isn't dead, but it's going to be very interesting to see if a band like that, with obvious quality, has a chance. So, um, yeah, check them out. If you like that kind of stuff, they will be a very interesting band to follow in the coming years. So that was a discovery from uh, 2017. 
Uh, another one is a British artist that kind of um, made a comeback to music uh, with his first solo album. And I'm talking about Paul Draper. He was uh, a key member, the key songwriter and singer for Manson in the 90s. And I did not follow Manson. I did not know much about it. Uh, I read about Paul Draper in an article in Prog magazine with himself and his uh, collaborator. He's working with a young woman who goes by the alias of the Anchoress. It's Catherine and, and Davis. Huh. Uh, and the two of them has really produced this album. And that started last year with, when he produced her first solo album. And then she came now and worked on his first solo album. I think it's amazing stuff. I went back and checked out some of the Manson stuff. That really didn't hit me the same way. So, Is this Marilyn Manson? Not at all. So there's a band named Manson? Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah, Manson. Yeah, with a U. Manson. Okay, okay. I'm not even familiar with them at all. No, I, I didn't know much about them. It's kind of a 90s uh, Manic Street Preachers type uh, rock and roll band. But uh, Paul Draper's solo is uh, infinitely more interesting, at least uh, to my ears. working uh, sort of the, the companionship with uh, the anchoress Catherine and Davis and she's been doing a lot of stuff she's been touring with Simple Minds for example uh, and not in any sort of singing ladies uh, capabilities because Simple Minds still have their singing ladies but she has a podium of her own behind uh, Jim Kerr she's kind of the queen of the stage if anyone saw their recent tour of last year she was there, and she had even a solo moment in that show, playing one of her songs. So they are high on her and giving her a lot of space. Nice. And she's going to tour with them again over the new year. So that's her, and she's one half of this duo that that makes up Paul Draper solo. So uh, very interesting stuff. And just to finally round off my three, my third, <laughs> uh, 
wasn't sure what to pick. One album, I just got to mention something, someone old or someone who's been around for a while who made the album of their career. And nobody's going to believe who I'm about to say. But if uh, anyone who liked 80s metal, uh, one of the good bands of that time, at least in my estimation, I love them, is Rat. And in 2017, Stephen Piercy, the frontman of Rat, released not not just his best solo album. It, that wouldn't be tough to top. He's kind of had very many hit and miss albums. But in uh, in 2017, he released Smash. And that is a sensational album. He took out two years working on the songs, careful production, just making it sound like uh, an 80s great band from that period. And I think if, if Smash had been released in the 80s as a Rat album, it would have been one of the albums of that decade. In my, I just, I'm blown away just by how good that album is. So one year ago, I would have never believed myself if I would, I would have said Stephen Piercy from Rat delivered one of the albums of 2017 for me. So just to be <laughs> very all-rounded in my picks. <laughs> well, it kind of was shocking, but uh, this album came out uh, early in the year, like January 2017. I keep going back to it. And you know how many albums I, I have as incoming. Just keep coming back to that one. I'm never quite done with it. It's it's perfect. It's just such a fun 80s metal album with high quality songs. And uh, he sounds like himself. You know, Stephen Percy has never had the best singing voice around, but he certainly has one of the coolest voice. Yeah, I uh, I love I love that stuff. It's uh, it was a surprise, and uh, I just gotta give the kudos. Cool. So that uh, that was three picks for me, and I'll get into more stuff on uh, on my Rockin' in the Northlands page, and that's that. Let me just say one moment that I will say that that was a great musical moment for me that just happened a few days ago, actually. Um, uh-huh. I, I was I was in my car. This was, this was both a great musical moment and a great technological moment where I really became aware of, of how far humanity has come. It might be one of the greatest technological achievements in all of mankind. But I was driving. I couldn't obviously manipulate my phone. I wanted to hear something. I wanted to hear Judas Priest so badly. And I was able to press uh, the but- one button on my phone, and I asked, I commanded my phone. And I didn't even know if I had this song on my phone. I wasn't sure. But I said, hey, Siri play Halls of Valhalla by Judas Priest and I didn't know if it was going to happen 
And then within like two seconds, the opening strains of that awesome song began to emerge, and I cranked it all the way back to work for my lunch break. <laughs> and it was so fantastic. Valhalla even yeah halls of Valhalla halls of Valhalla straight from the Norselands again yes recent Judas Priest too good <laughs> stuff all right next question okay see if we have a good one okay we have one more question from Kenny and he says there's one thing I would like to hear views on that I've been thinking about since the Tony Butler interview episodes and that's potential big country members Tony mentioned the possibility of asking Johnny Marr to come in, and no offense to Tony, I don't think that would have happened. Big Country were never cool, and there can't be many musicians seen as cooler than Johnny Marr. So would he have been a good fit? If not, who else could have come in, either guitarists, vocalists, or whatever? My choice would have been J.J. Gilmore on vocals. I loved him doing Big Country songs with Cashback Club. I think Malcolm Johns of Rundrig would have been good on guitar. No disrespect to any current Big Country members, just a bit of fun. So just uh, first of all, the Johnny Marr thing. Tony addressed that in the book, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He he talked, he kind of elaborated further as to what he said to us. Um, you know, when they, when they were putting the second version of the band together, he he really wanted to get someone more known to be the second guitar player. In fact, he really didn't even want a second guitar player. He, he said he, he was fine with, with just Bruce after what they did in 2007, but Bruce wanted another guitarist. Um, so Johnny Marr was someone that he immediately thought of, he said. Now, in the book, he makes it seem like he never got a chance to present that to the band because before he could, uh, Bruce made it clear that he wanted to use Jamie. And, uh, and so that's what happened. But... He does add a bit of an epilogue to the story, Tony does. He says that after all this happened, he ran into Johnny Marr somewhere, and he was talking with him, and he said, he said, you know, I was, I was thinking very – I really wanted to ask you to join Big Country um, when we were putting this second version of the band together. I wanted you to come in and play guitar for us. 
And he claims that Johnny Marr said, quote, I would have jumped at the chance. So, and, and then Tony says that and, and says like, oh, you know, he felt bad about it because he, not that he, he makes it clear he has nothing against Jamie. He just wanted, I guess he just wanted some kind of a name person in there initially. I don't know. But yeah, so, you know, I certainly don't doubt that that happened and that was said. I guess what you got to think is, what did Johnny Marr mean by it? Was Johnny Marr being just nice about it and say, oh, yeah, I would have I would have loved to have done that. And really, he was probably not interested. Um, or was he seriously interested? I guess we don't know unless we talk to Johnny Marr. Um, but, but yeah, I've got to admit, you know, not being uh, – obviously, I'm familiar with Johnny Marr and the Smiths. I was never a huge fan. I never followed them that closely. But the name certainly didn't speak big country to me. And then I, I almost felt like – Johnny Marr is would, would almost be too big for a band like that. I mean, would he be content to sit in the background and and play, you know, complimentary guitar parts with Bruce Watson? Uh, someone like that, I I couldn't see that happening. So yeah, I I just I never thought that made much sense. Um, but uh, you know, I guess Tony certainly saw that it did, but it, clearly it didn't happen. No, it didn't. That's hard to say what fits and what doesn't fit because. Uh, when someone enters a project, if they're all in on that project, they will make it work or they will, uh, they won't come in playing like their previous bands. They will come in trying to play like that band. And that, I, I don't know if that is a, a factor at all. Really the uh, Johnny Marr is bigger than big country. That is a, that is a factor to me. And would he be content to, uh, to join a band that, uh, you know, he would definitely help raise the profile. Uh, I th- I see this as something that Ian Grant would have been able to suggest. To be honest with you, I th- I think for him, it would be a scoop. Yeah. But uh, for the guys in the band thinking musically, I think that's a little bit different. Yeah, I agree. It would have been interesting. That's for sure. It would have been very interesting to hear what would have happened. But uh, yeah, it didn't. It's, so it's just in the uh, alternate universe, big country. <laughs> right. And as for other people who could come in and do a job in big country, I, uh, it's something that we have discussed here and there, not necessarily just podcast, but all the way back to when Stuart first left the band. I mean, before he uh, he died, uh, he it was clear he was leaving the band. And as far back as that, we had these discussions who would fit. And uh, Mike Peters was mentioned even then in the mix. I remember uh, someone like Gary Moore was mentioned in the mix as someone who could come in, and uh, that would be a very interesting choice. Uh, he definitely has the sort of Celtic heritage. He he would mix rock with, uh, especially Irish folk music, um, played uh, in Thin Lizzy, contributing uh, Celtic guitar lines. He played on the Black Rose album, which is the most Celtic album. That's kind of like the seer for Thin Lizzy. Mm. They're the most uh, Celtic one, uh, but. Uh, in today's day and age, who who would you have come in? I mean, <laughs> that's I can't that's think tough. of anyone. You know, I can't think of anyone. Stuart was such a unique guy, and, and, and I know you're not trying to replace Stuart, but I, I think the way – I mean, and I'm not just saying this because this is the way it is right now, but I, I think the decision that they made was the best one that I can think of. You know, it's uh, Jamie – having Jamie and Bruce together, there was something special about that, and I, I think that – Yes, you do have to look at that when it first happens. Like, okay, is this guy going to be up to, to doing this? And I think Jamie was, uh, you know, very quickly, and and certainly now he's he's a very gr- good guitarist, very accomplished, and 
right out in front playing these these solos and everything. So I think it, it's worked. When you just think of it from a musical perspective, I think it's worked out great. If you're thinking of it from what's going to be a big name, what's going to sell more tickets or make more of a promotional splash, you know, then sure, some one of these guys might have been a better choice for that. But uh, from from just a standpoint of yeah. the music, I, I like the way they, they've proceeded with it. Yeah, musically, it uh, definitely works. And uh, I haven't uh, seen this lineup live, so I, I can't really comment on how they present themselves. But I have no names. I'm, I'm thinking of no one in particular. If, if I'm going to point to anything, it would be nice to have a strong frontman element without it being totally like Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, not, not taking anything over like he could at times. He didn't always do it, but it, especially as they went on with him, I think that became uh, a bigger issue. But uh, I, someone who has elements of that Bonoism but uh, can maintain also the down-to-earthness of uh, someone like Simon, who is very down-to-earth. I like that about him. Uh, I'd like him to just just sometimes own the stage a little bit, but uh, yeah. I don't have a name. I don't have any anyone I would put there instead. I don't have a candidate. It's it's tough to uh, even think about that. Yeah. Well, so, they, they never they never return my phone calls, so I guess that speaks volumes. Uh, maybe you can uh, can fill in in local gigs again. <laughs> Who knows? They can hold hold you up on stage for a chance, so you can try and stop the audience participation again. <laughs> oh man! Hope this isn't late. Uh, John Lewis piping in from the northern half of California, the part that isn't burning yet. 2017 has been a rough year all around, personally, professionally, and politically. In other words, I've been listening to a lot of big country to keep my hope and my optimism up, even more than usual, at medically questionable decibel levels. But as the year winds down, I wish everybody out there in big country land peace and joy for the new year. Stay alive. So we have a question from young and promising Andy Inkster or the Bogan, <laughs> the big hearted Bogan. And by the way, Dwayne Bunny, we have not forgotten about you either. You are also the big hearted Bogan. And I would like to yes. see both of you Bogans do battle to see who remains the one left standing <laughs> in Highlander fashion. <laughs> God. There can be only one big hearted Bogan. Who shall it be? But the reason we keep uh, mentioning Andy is that he actually sends us questions. You know, Dwayne, <laughs> give us some questions so we can talk more about your Bogan-ness as well. But for now, we do have this one from Andy. And uh, the question he has is, if you were to give some advice to any newbies who wanted to start their own band podcast, how would you advise them? And what would you tell them? What, what five pieces of advice would you share? Mm. So I don't know if we have five, but uh, there's definite things to do yeah there there are there certainly are well i can only speak from what i was thinking when i started out uh, so many years ago um number one you got to pick something you're passionate about clearly and you got to you got to pick something i think that's not all over the place i think some podcasts think that people are going to be interested in something if they if they have like multiple subjects and i know i know you you were specific andy when you said band podcasts but I think you need that. You need to focus on one band, one artist, one subject. That's one thing. And you got to be really passionate about them, and so much so that you could talk about them without having to do research on them, you know, where someone could just ask you, <laughs> which is what I do every episode. You know, and the research is good, and it helps, uh, obviously, but you got to at least have that basis, I think, for 
being able just to speak freely about any part of that band's career you know, it, it, on some level. So I think there's that. And you got to – I think – and I made this clear too, even, even when I did the first ones by myself, that I didn't want them to continue to be by myself. I think you need other opinions in the, on the show, if you can get them, I mean, I've, I've listened to some podcasts with just one person, and, and they can be interesting and they can be good, but nothing beats having someone else to throw ideas up against and to um, give you some resistance on some of your opinions, and for you to do the same to them, and someone to mock, someone to mock you. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, all that stuff is good. And I think the more you can add that kind of stuff to a podcast, the better. But and you got to keep them short. You got to keep them short. There's no they they cannot be. I think if if your shows go over sixty minutes, sixty five minutes maybe at, at tops, that just shows that you really you've got no clue what you're doing. You, you've got to rein it in. Nobody wants to hear you blather for more than sixty sixty five minutes an episode. And uh, that's one thing we learned really quickly. And you can see that we've we've made great use of that. So that that would be my main that my number one point of advice. And and also. Have a good time all, all the, time. the time. Sweet. Yeah, and also make sure that uh, your podcast doesn't sound like it was recorded uh, in traffic. <laughs> you know, have yeah. use good equipment. And uh, sometimes that's a work in progress. You start out, you listen back to it, and you say, okay, you know, I, I hear some limitations. Let's see what we can change. Sometimes you change hardware. Sometimes, sometimes you change headset. Sometimes you need to change your computer setup, and sometimes you just uh, need to change your voice. Sometimes you need to change your pantaloons. Yes. It's a work in progress, but uh, keep focus on quality that people can, can hear. And we have some episodes way back in the back catalog where it sounds like crap. And um, <laughs> I, I'd like to think that we have gotten better, but uh, you're allowed to be a work in progress. But it, it should sound all right. It shouldn't be a strain to to listen to. And also make sure that the sound levels are are good. When we used that that screeching sound effect, like the the skipping needle vinyl effect, and that was way louder than uh, than the actual conversation. <laughs> so we had some listeners saying that they were sort of listening with one hand on their headset. So when when that needle sound came, they would just rip off the headset <laughs> to avoid being ambushed by a much louder one. Those those are kind of things you pick up. Yeah. And um, yeah. So so. Keep an eye on the on the sound and uh, make sure you have a partner to work with. I think that's uh, awesome. And also, it would help if uh, not just for conversation, but also for actual workload, which is editing and uh, preparing of media bits and what have you, anything you can do. I think we have found a form now that uh, I know if I hadn't stepped up to help with editing, I don't think the show would still be going on. Yeah, you might be right about that. It's hard. I, I strongly suspect. Yeah, it's a lot of work. If you want to do it the way that we do it, it's hard. I mean, there are there are some shows that literally will just put out their entire conversation unedited with nothing added to it. And uh, I think we've quickly found out that that's not what we want to do and that's not what we really want to listen to. We like to add clips of the songs that we're talking about. We like to throw in little bits of interviews and rare stuff and try to make it an interesting listen. So if you're going to do that... Yeah, you gotta you gotta know how to edit, and it, it's definitely time consuming. Yeah, to uh, to paraphrase the the famous Paul Stanley, we wanted to be the podcast we never saw, <laughs> and that's it. Oh, that's great! But you know, I, I if you talk about evolving, I'm I'm clutching in my 
withered hands right now the same microphone I used to begin this podcast. And it's very nostalgic. <laughs> same equipment, same everything. Svein has gone through at least 163 variations of his setup over this six years that we've done this show. Probably. Probably. At Not least. pieces of hardware, but they're different uh, setups, yeah. <laughs> but that's because I'm, I am a seeking guy. Berserker and seeker, all in one. That's yes. good. That's good. But yeah, so if anyone's interested in starting their own podcast, just do whatever you want to do. If people listen to it, that'll tell you if you're doing a good job or not. Yeah, definitely. No, you just need to make a lot of choices for what, what kind of podcast it should be and where you want to place the bar in terms of editing. I think we're we're going a bit overboard, but based on the feedback we hear, that a lot of people like it. And yeah. we do seem to have an edge on most podcasts, and I'm pleased with that, at least on, on the production side. We, we're up there, I I think so. Yes. But then, and I don't know how many people know this, but we actually have an award-winning editor as one half of this duo. So <laughs> we, sh- we, we should have some, some skills. It, it should uh, be noticeable when you have someone who does this as their profession and is award-winning in their profession in, in the field of editing that the show should, uh, should sound like that. <laughs> well, one would hope. One would hope. But yeah, we've, we've, gotten good, we've gotten good comments about that, so that's yeah, good. I think so. 6,000 6, downloads an episode can't be wrong. And more in some <laughs> cases. Yeah, yeah. And don't we have a tally for like our entire uh, discography, <laughs> our entire catalog? Yeah, the length we have, episode 1 through 75 equals 5 days and 54 minutes. Wow. It seems like it should be more than that. That's what I thought too, but then I was sort of reflecting on it, and uh, the Drive to Damascus is 14 hours, 21 <laughs> minutes. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big part of that, but uh, it's uh, also, without question, the longest segment we have of one thing, and all the others would be way shorter. So I guess it's sort of right, but uh, five days back-to-back is nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> it's, it's substantial. It is. It is. Well, I hope that answers your question, Andy. Look forward to your podcast. Yes, the we Bogan do. Hotline. I'd love to hear it. Two Bogans, yeah. two Bogans, one two Bogans, one podcast. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> we have a question from Bruce Adamson, if that is indeed your name, and he says, "Explain the logic that Big Country get four times as many Spotify listens as Skids, sold way more records." played to way more people and let's face it have way better songs but have now become a heritage act whereas skids are releasing new material square that circle dudes okay uh, i think we know the answer to this we talked about it so many times i'm not in any of these bands tom has almost been in it once did you <laughs> glean any inner logic from your five minutes of fame <laughs> i did not but you know it, it's it's yeah you you can't you can't compare the two things as equal entities. I mean, I know people want new music. I want new music too. But for whatever reason, that's not happening with Big Country right now. If it's going to happen, if it does happen, it'll happen when the time is right. You can't you can't force new music out of people. And nobody would want that. And with the case of the Skids, you've got something that's completely different. You've got the, a band coming back together after not being together for quite some time. I know they did the reunion thing in 2007, but you've got Jobson coming back who's energized, and Jobson is the front man of that band. He always has been. He's he's probably the principal uh, instigator in songwriting, and he really wants to do it. 
he writes the lyrics and he asked Bruce and Jamie to help and anyone else who, to help him uh, write the music. And they were happy to do that. So it's just kind of worked out that way for the skids. Why it hasn't worked out that way for Big Country, uh, I'm not totally sure. I can't really answer that. Like you said, only the band can answer that. And Bruce has intimated that it's that they've they've tried in the past and they might try again. But you know, they did do it with the Journey, and I think I think it's a really good album. But it wasn't received as well as maybe they wanted it to to be. Uh, and again, that's not necessarily a commentary on the quality of it. It's more like what we just talked about a few minutes ago: the state of the music industry. Uh, the guys want to make a living too. And when you, when you put so much into recording an album and people don't buy it and it becomes more of a financial loss than, than a gain, you're going to, you're going to balk at that. Now what you would say, well, why are the skids doing it then? Well, I, I, I don't know. I guess maybe things worked out in a different way for them. Maybe they see it as more viable. Maybe they've got someone backing that particular project. Again, I don't, you know, we can't really comment on that, but I, I do take issue with the whole thing about a heritage act and this is being some sort of demeaning thing. I mean, I, I understand it on one level when you get when you get people in who weren't part of an original band and you you feel like they're just riding the coattails of, of greater days in the past. But I don't feel that's the case with current big country. I mean, I, I see their, their shows. I, I see the reaction of the crowds to their music still. I just feel like anyone who has a hand in creating this stuff, which Bruce and, and Mark clearly did, and I think Jamie is a part of it too in some way, you know, it certainly has, has a an artery connected to that heart, even if he didn't have a hand in writing a lot of those songs. I just think it's completely their right to, to just go on and play these songs if that's what they want to do. And and that's what they're doing. And it's everyone else's right to say, this isn't for me. I, I miss the old days too much. I want to see a band making new music. That's your right too. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to um, insult the people who are doing that or think they shouldn't be making a living out of something that they actually helped create. And they do it well and they do it with respect and they do it, do a great version of these songs. And they're out there doing songs that the original band never played before. And uh, I think it's great. So, mm. Yeah, just a long, just a long-winded way of saying it. We can't really answer that question. It's it's a question that pops up all the time from some people, and you know, ask ask the band. I, I can't answer it. We also want new material. We we have said it many times on this show. We we are <laughs> really been strong proponents for the band writing and recording. To be honest, they're in a place right now where it's hard to come up with material. And uh, I think they are taking a choice not to do anything with it if they don't feel like they can do it justice. Yeah. So um, I think the skids thing is the best thing that could have happened. Bruce and uh, Jamie are dipping their toes now into making albums. They're also getting familiar with crowdsourcing. Uh, the skids album is crowdsourced. It's on Pledge Music. So they're getting some experience. Uh, they might... Uh, get a kick out of it. They might come back to big country invigorated and maybe with some new ideas on how to approach this whole thing and make it more a grassroots thing. So let things play out. I understand the frustration that some people feel, but uh, allow things to play out here. I think uh, it's the best thing that could have happened is, is the, the skids thing. And if, if skids is not your thing and some of us aren't that, uh, you know, deeply into the, the skids as we are big country we, we, we would wait for Bruce and Jamie to come back but uh, I think it's healthy right now that all these things are happening it's interesting that Mark is also doing the ESP thing coming out to a new album and Tony has a new album coming out 
So all the core big country members of the original lineup coming with the albums in uh, 2018. That's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, why can't why can't big country? I think it's uh, it's done on different levels and um with different expectations. And especially when it comes to material there are different expectations. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to look at it too with with the state of the band. I mean, they've got they've got great members in the band as far as performing. But they might not. Maybe they're in a situation in big country where they feel like they're, you know, not in a good writing situation right now, where they can write with the write with the people, and they want to work that out first before they put something out. I mean, I I, I personally wouldn't want them to put out any music unless they felt completely one hundred percent inspired by it and really wanted to do it. Not, I don't want them to put out new music just to appease someone. You know, I'd rather them just continue what they're doing than do that because once you put that out, it's forever. So you want to make sure that it's it's something good, something that speaks well of your legacy and contributes to the legacy. And if they feel like they're not in a place where they they want to do that right now, I've got no problem personally whatsoever with them mm. touring their music that they've already recorded. So if if yeah. you, if they if people want to slag them for being a quote unquote heritage act, they can, but. Uh, it's a heritage that they had a hand in creating, so it's. I don't have a problem with it. We need to face up to something as well, and that's Big Country are never going to be the recording band that they used to be in the 80s and 90s. Those times are never coming back. The no. band is done with that phase of their career. So yes, we can clamor for an album, and there might be an album. There might be another album, but uh, that doesn't change the fact that the band is in a different place and I think uh, Bruce and Mark said that in a recent interview. They're they're a live band now. They're they're about live music, and that that's where they are. And if this frustrates people, I mean, I, I'd love to see a new album, but you need to realize where they are in their careers. They're never going to get back to the recording era where they were. That's not coming back, folks. So that's uh, <laughs> there's a lot of things we need to just accept in order to move on instead of being stuck in the why can't there be an album there's also other ways the band can be creative like i was super excited uh, when they did the steel town tour and the seer tour playing the full albums something they never did before that's a different way to be creative yeah and now i will i will fault the band for this i really think they should have recorded some of those shows and released them because that takes much less than the, doing a full new studio album those yeah. those things should have been preserved and i will actually point the finger for on, on that count I, I am a little frustrated. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, that's the best we can do with that question. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think we did a fair crack at that one. Yeah, I was. I'm surprised you brought that one up, but I was happy to take a shot at it. Well, people ask. Okay, so I have a question for you that I received from uh, Niall Featherstone. As he say himself, a humdinger to ambush Tom with. <laughs> and this is this is more a trivia question, so either you know it or you don't. But uh, name the famous Irish rock band frontman who inspired Tony's mirror pickguard on his iconic black and maple Fender P bass. Phil Linnett? Exactly. <laughs> that was probably the only Irish famous rock frontman you, you knew. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was Bono, but he, doesn't, he doesn't play crap. Yeah. Yeah. No bassist as well. Bassist frontman. There are there aren't too many of them. There aren't many at all. I don't. I, I I was a little nervous. I was a little nervous as you were reading it, but then I thought Irish frontman. I know Tony has mentioned Phil Lynott before. So it's got to be Phil Lynott. 
but I, I wasn't 100% yeah. sure. And he also he sent through a picture as well of Phil's base with that thing and then of Tony holding a base, and it's the exact same uh, front guard. So that's funny. Since you did that so quickly, I'll give you another one. All right, I live to fight another day. Yes. Uh, so I have um, one from Jamin Wheats, the movie Highlander. Have you ever thought about a big country soundtrack for that movie rather than Queen? And do you know if Big Country were ever approached to produce a soundtrack for that movie? Uh, number one, no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that soundtrack for anything. I love the soundtrack to that film. Queen, Queen is a part of that movie, part of what makes that movie so great. No, that's not to say Big Country couldn't have done a great job, but uh, I think you need that operatic Freddie Mercury singing in that, in that film. So many great moments, like the Who Wants to Live Forever moment, and just incredible stuff. Give me the prize. Oh, yeah, great. The Kurgan. Tonight you sleep in hell. <laughs> Ramirez. I smell him. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know for sure, but I can pretty much say with 99% certainty that Big Country was not asked to contribute to that. No, but uh, I can see why he asked, because there is oh, a yeah. strong Scottish, uh, at least half the movie t- is back in the day, Scottish Highlands, Castles. Yeah, I can under, I can certainly understand that, but I mean, you know, the movie was less. Even though the even though the main character was Scottish, it was less about that as the movie went along. And I, I think the uh, I think yeah. what, I think what Queen did on that uh, movie was was awesome. Plus, they had come off like doing the Flash Gordon film as well, and they were they were a known entity for doing soundtracks at that point. So I, I'm sure they were probably the first go to for it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Awesome. Well, it's been another giant Yule log, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, we that we've put on our fire. <laughs> we shout it out. <laughs> shout it out loud. Um, I want to put my Yule log on the fireplace. <laughs> nobody's going to get these references. Maybe a couple. Um, but look, I, there's one thing we we have to end on a nice um, melodramatic maudlin note. But uh, it's always you know great to hear back from people throughout the year. So as we prepare for 2018, whatever that might bring, just want to thank everyone for listening. Thank everyone for, for giving their feedback on shows and contributing to the shows with speak pipes and even to this show. I mean, those things add so much to everything. And it really means a lot to us when we hear back from people saying that they got something out of this show or they got something out of a particular episode. I mean, honestly, it, it means so much to hear that. And we just got an email yesterday, which just was amazing to me. And I send it over to swine too and i'm sure he agrees and it's, yeah. it's from a guy named mick arnett and um i just want to read this and not to not to say oh this is so great for us but just to this is what the, the band does for people and it just makes us feel proud that we were able to provide something for this guy to get some some enjoyment out of and it, i'll just read a little bit of his email but uh mick has told me that it's okay for me to read this and he's been dealing with a lot of really serious health issues And um, he says, since my major six-way bypass surgery, I have had four more heart surgeries, inserting stents into arteries that have become blocked. This is due to a genetics issue, not due to anything I can control. Your podcast did so much more than just helping me fill the time while I was recovering from surgery at the hospital and the weeks of recovery at home. Listening to both of you raised my spirits and made me laugh when I was in significant amounts of pain. It reminded me that there is so much more to life than just living the moment we are in. The love, effort, and devotion you two have had to do these podcasts helped me get through a very challenging time in my life, and they still help me today. There is a sense of comfort in listening to what you have to say. 
up until listening to your podcast, I never really was able to connect with other people that were so huge, devoted fans to Big Country. And then he goes on to say, with your podcast, I was able to hear so many fans express their own feelings about this great band that I felt I had found something very special that resonated with me on a, on a genetic level. I never had the chance to see the band live. I live in Iowa, also known as the middle of nowhere, and I doubt I will ever get to see them play. But hearing the stories from the listeners of the podcast, I can see why so many people love this band. Um, and he goes on. I mean, it was a really long email, and and every every bit of it was so appreciated. But what I thought was funny at the end, he says, um, I hope that both of you have wonderful holidays. I am looking forward to a few weeks off from teaching school so I can continue my second biggest hobby, which is brewing beer. I produce about 200 gallons a year that we give away. And then he says, this year I produced a holiday ale that I am calling the Great Divide Scottish Amber Ale that I will be giving all of my friends, even though none of them are listening to my favorite band. Peace be with both of you in the coming year. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, I mean, an email like that where someone tells us that this show meant that much to them during seriously tough times in their life, um, it just that, that was really, really moving. And thank you, Mick, for sharing that with us. And it, it meant a lot. So we really appreciate that. Yeah. We don't uh, often get emails uh, like that anymore. I mean, most of the people who listen have been with us for a while. <laughs> we know who you are. You know who we are. But sometimes a message like this comes and you really just read a small portion of it. So there was just, wow, this guy uh, really sharing a lot about his situation and what listening to us can do, even though he laughs at us. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. So yeah, it, it, that was a very special mail and just uh, thank you. That's all we need to see to to be motivated to keep going. Definitely. And he sent a, he sent a quick follow-up this morning that I haven't forwarded on to you yet, but uh, if something in there that I thought was really funny too was a good way to end it. He says, um, a few weeks after Stroke 2, I was out working in the garden listening to the early episodes of your podcast when you announced a surprise for your listeners that Bruce Watson was going to be interviewed. That was such a big deal to me that I jumped up and down, putting my hands in the air like someone had scored a touchdown or goal. My neighbor came over and asked which team had scored, and I answered that I was excited to listen to Bruce being interviewed. My neighbor had no idea who I was talking about or why I was so excited about a podcast. He thought BC was a <laughs> he thought BC was a country group when I mentioned their name. Since then, when I play big country in my garage as I brew or work, I turn the volume up to eleven to educate all of my neighbors about this awesome band. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just little moments like that, you know. That's think, awesome. Yeah, thinking about someone in Iowa, in the middle of our country, uh, which is like very flat farmland, and and them listening to the show and jumping up and down while thinking Bruce Watson's going to be interviewed. <laughs> just that makes me so happy. So that's that's great. That's great. Thank you for sharing that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to have to find out exactly where this guy lives because uh, my wife grew up in Iowa. So I've been there a few times and I know a lot of family members over there. Oh, good. Well, he he, he gives the city in in, uh, in the email that I sent to you at the end. I won't reveal yeah. it here, but uh, he gives the city. So maybe that'll help. It tells me nothing, but I'll run it by the boss and yeah. see what she says. Okay. All right, so I think that pretty much wraps up 2017 with the typical way that we Barely. wrap up every freaking show. <laughs> Three hours later, I'm sorry, Anka. Yeah, sorry, Anka. We didn't, we didn't do it. We didn't keep this to under two hours. No, she didn't bribe us to keep it short. So there you go. I hope you uh, have learned your lesson. 
Yeah, well, you know, it was a great year. And as you say, we didn't delve into many topics, but I think we had some of our most, uh, I don't know, fulfilling, substantive uh, episodes that we've ever had. So I'm proud of the year, and it was great. Turned out that way. We always have this uh, this thing that what do we expect for the coming year? And I've sort of learned not to expect anything anymore. I mean, I, I couldn't have guessed uh, that the year would look the way it is. When you look over the podcasts, that basically three different topics, but going rather deep on some of them. Rather. Yeah. So uh, I knew we would do a Damascus thing, and I we kind of know we're going to get into the crossing, but we don't know the shape it will take and if anything extra comes along the way. So we'll just see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We can't promise when we'll be back, um, but we will, we will be back. We can at least say that. I can't believe this show has been going for six years now, but uh, yeah. you know, everything has a shelf life, but at least we know we've got some things ahead, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, yeah, so thank you, Svine, for working with me again this year and for all the great editing and contributions, contributions. And, uh, yeah, hope you have a great Christmas. Same to you, Tom. Merry Christmas. And to all of you. Fare thee well, my fairy fae. And with that, we're out. Have it, you all. Good night and God bless and have it, you all. Looks like you're singing like you're you're part and we are the world. I am. <clears throat> it's a it's an old year. He's doing the metal version. <laughs> Is there one? That would be where stars. You're wearing a yes that's shirt. Right. You, uh, that, that's that's metal. You're yeah. You're you're wearing a yes shirt and you don't have metal. You gotta have metal face. <laughs> we are darkness. We are light. We are stars. <laughs> we are shadow. We are light. Yes. We are forever, <laughs> you and I. Yeah. <laughs> Wish to us. But I had changed it. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, th- that didn't take long. Everybody's t- yeah. complaining about my singing, so that was it. That's <laughs> no. awesome, man. You've got that out of the way already. <laughs> yeah, 